Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay. Good? Yeah. Yeah. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously and we are here back in the Rugby Dungeon to talk about the finale of the Six Nations Championship, the continuation of the Premiership, the finale of the Pro 14 and all the other rugby stories there are. Uh, JB's here. Hello Tim. Hello, hello Phil. Hello Tim. Uh, Isn't it nice being in a nice clean rugby dungeon Phil? It's always clean here. Well, it's it's often clear. JB, you're wearing shoes as well. I am, I don't want those pesky... uh, (laughs) algorithms to pick up my um, <laughs> my bare feet and share them with perverts. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's too late for that. That's what we're already uh, associated with on YouTube. So automatically, we get served up to people with foot fetishes. But uh, there you go. If you love rugby or you love feet, um, come join us on YouTube. We're streaming right now, in fact. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll keep an eye on the comments and stuff right there. Uh, other than that, thank you for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, hit subscribe, because we're the only rugby podcast that's there for you every single Monday morning, 52 weeks a year, come what may, and uh, there's plenty to talk about on this one. Um, oh, I was going to say one more thing as well. Oh, yes, please. I, I've, I've mentioned uh, Patreon. We, we mention Patreon regularly. We are on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Egg Chasers, and we humbly appreciate and uh, and uh, humbly ask for your support there as well. But I did want to say and reiterate something we said before. If anyone is by circumstance or for whatever reason, struggling a bit financially, and you still like to be in the chance to win the shirt draw or to get those live tickets when we can on a priority basis as well. We don't want money to be a barrier to anybody. So uh, just drop us an email, contacteggchasers at gmail.com. No judgment, no questions asked. and um, We'll just pick up the money when you can afford it. In, well, in person. Well, yeah. handed three well, of us. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe when you make... With a fair rate of interest. Yeah, when you, when you, when you win the lottery or uh, get the gig uh, that you're really after, you'll, you might remember. So um, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you are watching this, you'll, you'll probably feel rather um, annoyed to see that, Tim, you've still not taken the new Gwen Drogan shirt down. Oh, yeah, I will send that this week. Send that this week. <laughs> the worst shirt in history. I know. Um, yeah, right, I'll tell you what. Firstly, I think we should start by congratulating Wales. Um, we're living in Wayne's world. Ah, Wayne Pivak, what a man! <laughs> what a genius! What a, what a what a guy! I mean, do you want to apologise to Wayne Pivak firstly, JB? I mean, look, having come for his head in in November, 
like I said, it's uh, one of those situations where maybe he's got himself enough breathing room to be able to execute the things that he needs to do. So, yeah, congratulations, Wales. That was a, a, a pretty awesome <laughs> Six Nations, that, actually. I do love how, as a Welshman, you're, like, through gritted teeth congratulating Wales. And like I say, I don't really... The only thing I care about is not actually my na- my nationality or my team. It's been right. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. You did um, celebrate the France win over Wales in the last second to deny them a Grand Slam pretty vigorously <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> because that, that proved you right in, in that uh, yes, prediction. Exactly right. There was quite a funny meme... Uh, doing the rounds over the weekend of <clears throat> Wayne Pivak's been sent to Suez because <laughs> he can turn anything around. Right, do, you understand, oh, do you understand this? When they said that they've turned... I mean, bearing in mind, it's not a flexible object, that ship, is it? <laughs> they said they've turned it 30 degrees on both sides. I mean, that involved... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil, you're, Phil, you're a structural engineer. Tell us what's going on. Well, I'm not a structural engineer. Well, you're not. I work you know, you know what's going engineer. on. Oh, well, you we have pretended to sign things off as a structural engineer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just don't uh, go on the steelwork in my house. Yeah, exactly. Um, if it's pivot in in the middle, yeah, and one end goes thirty degrees one way, and it yeah. was, if it's pivoting right in the middle, the other end would be going thirty degrees. I guess. I clock, guess what, clockwise as well, I guess or what, anticlockwise as well. Guess what I'm trying to say, right? Is I can't imagine. A scenario where that ship goes 30 degrees one way but the other side stays exactly the same that to me sounds if you tell me a ship of that size has gone 30 degrees on one side i tend to think it's gone on the other side too unless well, it's pivoting at the end so if it pivots at yes, the end maybe. so if it pivots in the middle uh, right in the middle as in the ship is 400 meters long and you pick a point that is 200 meters from either end and one if it pivots from the middle and one end goes 30 degrees so one way even... the other end will go 30 degrees the other way so now i've got even more doubts actually <laughs> because I don't think there's any chance they got it to pivot exactly in the middle. Well, it, so it's unlikely it would be exactly in the middle. Yes, they're lying to us. They might be. They might have rounded up. It might have been 27 degrees one way and 33 degrees mm. the other way. So I've had to think about this. I think, seriously, the only way to get that thing moved quickly, because of the sheer mass of it, is actually to drive another ship of equal size into, <laughs> in the- into the stern. I can't think of any other way to get... I mean, surely I'd have enough force to move it, no? Send Andre Esterhazen into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andre Esterhazen on one side and the semi round on the other side. And if worse comes to worse, they can just offload the containers. Yeah, but then surely the... Ah, we're getting too much into this. Yes, surely, surely the, the mass of the ship is great enough to, that it would be ground out at either end with or without the containers, because the ship will weigh... No, no, so this is their latest plan, isn't it? They want to take the, the, the containers off to give it more buoyancy so then they can move it. That is the... That that's is the that's one of the plans. Yeah. Good luck to them. Indeed. So uh, <laughs> I just want to say congratulations to Wayne Pivak, not only on a Six Nations Championship, but on his curtains. Oh, my God. Those, I, I'm like, what an earth. There's two on. places you still see tassels in 2021, <laughs> at, at a strip bar and in Wayne Pivak's living room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that... <laughs> It would. Why not pick a blank wall? Why not print something that is of the correct size to, for the background to be the how only it, thing in shot? How was it? Like, where was it connected to? Because it was moving. It seemed oh, to be oh, moving on the little backdrop, the branded backdrop. Yeah, I suspect his chair was touching the curtains, and it was actually oh. like sellotape to the curtains. I mean, so I'm every sure. time the chair moves a little <laughs> bit, the curtains just wiggle. I mean, it, made, one... it did make it look like he was wearing it on his back. It did, didn't it? Like, like a stick thing. Do you like the Domino's pizza sellers in town? Um, so, yeah, so what was I going to say on that? Um, 
yeah, the one thing I'm certain is true on that whole scenario is that Dove would be delighted with their branding that being displayed in such a way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dove, Guinness... Uh... There's others, some some big sponsors on there. Ah, it looks very, very. Um, it looks consummately professional. Professional, <laughs> yeah. Professional. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm sorry to mention him again. No, I'm not even going to mention him by name. But uh, our our favourite journalist said, "quote The best Six Nations competition ever." Ah, oh, it's a good Discuss. shout, you know. You think it's uh, not? It's not the. I mean, the games. <laughs> If they had crowds, I think we'd be talking about it as one of the greats. Not the great greatest, but one of the greats. It was a brilliant competition. I, th- I think we're blinded by just how good the finish was. As in, the last two games, the France-Wales and then France-Scotland, are two of the all-time great games. Yeah. With match-winning tries basically on the buzzer in both games. That Well, both of them, at that point, decided the tournament. Mm. Um uh, or certainly the the first one definitely decided the, the continu- tournament. The continuation and, of the tournament. Yeah. yeah, and the second one, well, it prevented France from winning, albeit at that stage it would have been impossible for and them to win. If you think of the performances, like all Wales's games were games they won despite themselves kind of thing. So I well, think that's a bit, bit harsh. Bit, well, like the two red both. cards and then the England game. I mean, it, come on, you, that England game got away, got away from England. The 14-0 head start they got thanks to... Goes there. Yeah, 14 no, I'm not, I'm not going there again. Too 14 painful. nil. Head start. So, you know, so but they, still, they still put 40 points on they England. Did, they did, and that's not to be taken away. Or... No, that is true. Um, the quality of the French team, the quality of the England performance against the French team, the quality of the the Scotland performance to beat the to beat the French. I mean, there's a lot going on. I don't think it's a terrible show. I'm not. I'm not sure it's the best either. And, and I, even though I loved the last two games, mm. uh, not having Super Saturday was pretty terrible. Yeah. And probably a little bit from mine and Tim's side as Englishmen wanting England to win, having only one out of five good performances from England because four of the games to watch as an English fan were pretty terrible. The game against Scotland was awful. The performance against Ireland was awful. Most of the performance against yeah. Wales. Italy, no one cares. No, no one does care. Um, I, maybe the big difference is that France were good. And when's the last time that France was truly good? Truly they're, good. They've been building, haven't they? Because last season they were good. The only team to beat them was Scotland, Scotland, who've done it twice now in two years. Albeit last season there was the red card to, I can't remember which prop, who uh, punched Jamie Ritchie in the, the face. But Hawass. Was it Hawass who it did Hawass, it? yes. Yeah. Um, but, so France were very good last year. They were good this year, and they've they've actually they've performed worse this year because they've lost two games and finished second rather than losing one game and finishing second. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the the improvement of France, like the improvement of South Africa over the last few years, um, South Africa, who from in twenty fifteen were a shell of the team that we know they should be, it's good for the game. And it is good. All the improvements in. Improvements in Argentina every time they get up for a World Cup and they've got a team that is capable of beating the top teams. Every time Fiji put close to their best team out and then can beat anyone. Having more teams capable of winning things, which in the Six Nations, I'm I'm exiting that tournament because I, I predicted Wales to finish fifth and Wales obviously won the whole thing. I think in that tournament, one of the things that does make it great is genuinely... Add, uh, a bounce ball gone different, a refereeing decision gone different, a red card gone differently. It could have been a totally different result, and any one of those top five teams could have legitimately won yeah. the tournament. Yeah. 
And that makes it not just this year an amazing tournament. It makes the Six Nations yeah, an amazing, agreed. the best, uh, the best rugby competition in the world, bar none. Well, I, to- yeah. I totally agree with that. I think you can't call it the greatest when sixteen point six six seven percent of games were completely meaningless, and I didn't. Even, <laughs> I quite often didn't even bother watching them. The Italy matches. Yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of. Yeah. I used I used it, the Italy matches to get some cardio in. I generally most Italy games because it was the earlier kickoff most weeks. I had to sit on the the um, turbo train and do eighty minutes of cardio. I used it for um, watching watching the Premiership. <laughs> like, if something good on, I'd turn back over. But yeah, just in the live chat, Ben Smart says, "Does JB still have ADSL internet?" And is ah. it stuttering for anyone else? Don't worry, mate. Is it? Ah, Don't worry, mate. It's so annoying. I know. One of these days, we'll we'll get it right. One of these days we'll oh, get it right. So and angry. Stuart Gordon says, oh God, not again. I think that he might be referring to the same thing. But don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's the pod- podcast will sound amazing, JB. It yeah, will. It's a teaser for those people who uh, dial in. Yeah. And, and d- did I mention patreon.com slash chasers, by the way? <laughs> we are completely on our own without any backing, any big names. And uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Wales. On to this game. I, 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 for what it's worth, I don't agree with the statement "best Six Nations ever." Yeah, I, the, I, the Super I don't Saturday think so. in 2017 or was it 2015? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I can't remember. It's one of the, one of the one. yeah. You know the one. A few years ago, when every single game, every team had to score more points than the last, mm-hmm. and every oh, single game changed hands. The title changed hands every single time. Yeah, so I think that was 2015. Right. So there was one. Well, Wales kicked off against Italy, and they and they won it, and then someone else. Won yeah, it. then and then I, England hammered <clears throat> France, didn't they? I think didn't did I, England need to win by like twenty five points? Yeah, that which year was that? Yeah. So I always remember. I always remember being very drunk in a rugby club after a game. Oh, I remember those. Saturday. Do you remember those days? Well, oh. do I remember them? I've got an actual uh, countdown clock somewhere <laughs> because uh, we'll be training again on Tuesday. Didsbury Talk H. Um, so I can't wait. Do you take like walk-up people just to come along for training, just for? If people show up, uh, in fact, there's just for pe- giggles. Can I, can I just come and get some training in? Yeah, because uh, it'll be. Fit- uh, will it be fitness? Will it be te- no. technical? No, it will not be fitness. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it, w- it won't be fitness. It'll be straight back into rugby, full-on rugby. Love it. Yeah. There's no. Reason. I I can't get my head over. Uh, my, sorry, my head round the fact that the RFU want us to go through a gradual build-up back back into contact, uh, mostly because. It sort of conflicts against all my libertarian leanings, and I think, who, who are you to tell me when when I can um, do contact or not? But also, there's, there's very little we have control over anymore, and you're yeah. not you're not allowed to by law leave the country, and uh, so you're, you're damned if the government's going to come in and tell you what you can do, or anyone's going to come and tell you what you can do on your own training pitch. Exactly right. Yeah. I want to see my friends, and I want to hit him in the th- hit hit him in the head with my shoulder in the chest. <laughs> in the chest is a joke. <laughs> Change of behaviour brigade will be all over that. Uh, but yeah, the reason, the other reason is many people play rugby, you know, on a weekend having not trained for bloody years. Yeah, you, you never have a rugby tour. <laughs> you never have a vets game. You, you actually couldn't have a vets game. Every vets game, nobody is trained. Can you imagine if this, uh, if that kind of feeling, the RFU said, no one on tour can play the morning after a big night out. No, <laughs> no, it's not allowed anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if they ban tours sooner or than later. So I found it. It was 2015. Yeah. Um, Wales, so England, Ireland, and Wales had all won three games going into the last weekend. Wales played Italy first, uh, basically to lay down the marker. They put 61 points on Italy to get a plus 53 
points difference. Ireland knew they had to win by uh, uh, 20 points to, to take the lead, and they won by 30 points, which gave England the target of 26 points, a 26-point win uh, against France at Twickenham to win the title from Ireland, and they won by 20 points. So they would have had, if they'd have scored a converted try in the last minute, they would have won the tournament. How miserable must awesome. it be winning the tournament but losing your last game? Uh, it would be miserable. So miserable. That would, that would be Ooh, miserable. We've won. Have a trophy. Yeah, well, I guess that's what happened this year, isn't it, with Wales? Yes, and, of course it is. And the other thing for Wales this year was, well, they, I guess they gathered them together on the Saturday to hand out the trophy. But everyone was kind of spread around in their clubs and homes watching. I'd, certainly some of the um, players were actually playing on the Friday night. Louis Rees Zammett played yes. on the Friday night before watching the the um, Scotland-France game and, and confirming that he had won a Six Nations. Congratulations. And he beat, uh, beat Exeter. Yeah. Good and, well, and congratulations to Scotland, who got their first win in France since 1999. That's, uh, well, and fantastic performance by Scotland. Should be very, very proud. Uh, what on earth? <laughs> so French, that. wasn't it? So French. The Doulan. Well, as soon as they knew they weren't going to win it, they may as well lose it in style. They may as well <laughs> lose the whole thing. Well, no, the, the, and Doulan's been so good as well. But again, but winning a test match... Winning an international match is important and it's no small feat. And also you've got twenty two years of history there that you've just ruined. You've just ruined. Yeah. And it, it actually so it didn't change the table for this. But that that game, as every game does, counts for world rank rugby world sorry, world rugby ranking points, which counts for um positions in the draw for the next World Cup, albeit France as a host nation. He might have been thinking he might have been playing four D chess and thinking France as a host nation, it doesn't matter. We're already uh, ranked in one of the pools as one of They're the top seeds, so it really doesn't matter. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean a place in the Six Nations. Doesn't mean world ranking points for the next tournament. So mm. who cares? Mm. This this was a hell of a game, though. It really was. Like ignoring all the stuff with Wales, ignoring the the, the monumental mistake by Doulan at the end. This was a amazing game, and it, the um, Andy Nichol, um comment at half time was spot on where he said uh, Scotland are playing the conditions because it was pouring down and they were playing intelligently kicking the corner putting box kicks up uh, chasing hard and doing it well and France were playing the situation which was France had to win by 21 points regardless of the conditions they wanted to to run everything they wanted to play from everywhere and that combination made it exciting it made it interesting it made it with the threats that France had, it made it kind of nervous because I was wanting Scotland to win. Um, but it made for a great game. And another thing that made it for a great game, which is the same thing for the Wales-France game, is England English referee. So Wayne Barnes refereed was, was it this. Was Wayne Barnes or Luke Pearce? Luke Pearce did France-Wales last weekend. Yes, Wayne, you're right. Wayne Barnes did this game. Uh, and both of them allowed the game to flow just enough. They were pedantic enough at the right time to let the players know they can't just get away with infringing all the time and slowing the game down. Mm. But they let the game flow enough that it created this amazing spectacle. It, it was a really, really good game. Yeah. 
That is the one thing that hurts about watching the fantastic performance of Wayne Barnes down the years and other English referees who are doing great as well is just knowing that England can never have a game facilitated <laughs> to such levels by one of these guys. But you can have uh, Nigel Owens. Or Gozer. Or Gozer, or all sorts of other, all sorts of other people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, do you know what made me think in this game? What's Dion van der Merwe going to do on the wing at, at Exeter? Uh, Exeter. Worcester. He's doing all sorts of on the wing at Exeter. <laughs> He's going to. Brilliant. But at uh, Worcester. Well, I mean, Worcester. I, I've got a soft spot for Worcester. So do I, big time. But I, I don't know what's going on at the moment. They, they're just. It's like they just don't care. Well, we'll talk about them yeah. later. But yeah, I just think this guy is such a fine physical specimen. He's just—he's like a god. He's—he's he's enormous. He really he's is. He's explosive. He? He's broken the record this year for the most defenders beaten in a single tournament. Uh, Thirty-one, which beats Brian O'Driscoll, that was set back in two thousand. Really? Yeah. So the most ever. So more than God. Think of all the great wingers who've played um, in the Six Nations. Stockers. Stockers. Uh, Vakatawa Nakatasi uh, Shane Williams has played yes. multiple years yeah. and Duan has broken that now Duan's an interesting one because his attack is just it's next level he's so powerful some things his, in his attack are next level he's def- well so I think so my criticism of him is he's just not quite precise enough yet like he does make mistakes still um, and I say mistakes like maybe he makes mistakes because he, nobody else is getting to that situation because no one else is going to run over three people to make to make the mistake. If that, if, yeah. if that makes sense, but like, it just he doesn't finish as much as he should. He finds himself in touch quite a lot. I, he tried to go around the outside of someone, um, which I thought was a complete rookie mistake because he's the best one in the world. Even if you're massive, they can shepherd you into touch. Yeah, touchline's an extra defender. Yeah, yeah, he, he did that a few times. I think I'll forgive that on his attack because he's still so potent, even with those weaknesses. He's still probably the single, big, the single biggest attacking threat winger in the tournament this year. Um, more so even than like Lewis Reece Samit, who's amazing. But Lewis Reece Samit does it when he has open field in front of him. And he can do some of the hard stuff, but... Not the same. Not, not the, the same. It's, not the same, it's same a different thing. beast. Um, but his, the, the thing that worries me, and the thing that I think... I don't think he'll travel with the Lions um, this year because it's two things. His... Defensive ability, actually, making tackles, but also... Double agent. Um, uh, maybe, maybe. But um, his defensive urgency is something that's really weak. And Brian O'Driscoll did a really good video highlighting it a couple of weeks ago in the uh, Scotland game when... Was it the Scotland game? It was one of the games where... Sorry, it's the Scotland game. The Ireland game where um, Henshaw scores as a cross-field kick... Um, Chris Harris kind of taps it back and Henshaw is the first man he race, wins the race to get the ball down and when Breno Driscoll was analysing it and he looks back from another angle Henshaw's like 10 yards behind Duan van der Merwe and van der Merwe has he's not read the situation not read the risk and he's just ambling across and Henshaw puts his foot down and wins the race I wonder though because you are right about that um, I remember seeing that and that is obviously a big deal that his defence is somewhat... Well, not a suspect. I guess when you're that good for that long, you don't need to work on everything because the thing you do do is so good. But I wonder if that thing he does do, which is carry the ball and be so potent in attack, would be enough for a bench, bench spot. Because if you're chasing the game... I, no. I think, I think it won't. But 
I could be wrong. And, and look at look at Gatland, who historically has like some some big wingers. But for, yeah. for me, it it wouldn't be. But I think the day, like the dinosaurs, the, the days of the giants are out. They're, they're becoming extinct. They're a, yeah. they're a rare breed, and, and I don't. The the weaknesses, the, the strengths don't outweigh the weaknesses. As much as I've said on last week's podcast, I wish we'd just highlight the positives and what you can do rather than focusing on what, what you can't do. But I, I actually think that the conditioning of players is such that massive men have much less of an impact than they used to do. I think it's, it goes in cycles. So you see the small guys, you see the big guys, the small guys, it goes round and round and round and round. Um, he'll just have to hold on and he'll be back in, back in favour. And then he'll go out of favour and it'll be Darcy, Darcy Graham again. <laughs> More Darcy Graham. Yeah. I, d- I think he will have a, a long career with with um, Scotland because he, he's, he is very, very good. I'm just not sure I would take him on the line. Stop. So, I remember last week I mentioned about um, Tagburn. No, Tagburn. And is that, the, is that the second row? Or is that that's the, the second row, back row. That's one I Small second row, yes. big back row. Yes, exactly. Um, and I was like, there is there a guy somewhere. There is there a man somewhere who's decided that this guy wasn't for him and let, and let, let him go to Scotland. But I want to build now a coffee table book of rugby experts that let the players go. So obviously it'd be <laughs> the guy who let go Tag Burn and also the guy in South Africa who thought, you know what, Duan van der Merwe is just not for us. Yeah, not good enough. Yeah. S- same same with um, Doggers. He's, he's getting nowhere near the South Africa team, though. No I didn't way. know about that. No way. Mapimpi well, M- M- and Colby are like light years better Col- than Colby. Duan van der But they're also Merwe. older. I don't know if um, I don't know if they, Pim- uh, my, my Pimpy probably is. I don't know if Colby's much older. I think they're probably a bit older, and so also they're different. Chesling Colby is certainly a different winger. <laughs> to, uh, would Duan Van der Merwe be in the England squad? Like, how many of that Scotland team would? Like, this, this, uh, this. Well, I'm not knocking it. I'm Joe Cocker, the singer, is like in the England in the England squad. So there's no, well, every, there's he has chance. been. He's not. He has been. He's not. He wins a World Cup. I mean, like if you're taking Joe Cocker, the singer, to World Cup, you're, you're taking Duan Van der Merwe. Yeah, yeah. That was two years ago. I don't think that will be the case well, in, I mean, in the next squads. Joe Coffinson's not got better. Hey, uh, listen, I'm <laughs> I'm not knocking it because, th- as we see with so many great teams, it's not about the individuals; it's about the collective. And um, but I'm just just that that's that is what I find quite impressive about Scotland. I'm not sure how many of how many people in the Scotland squad get into the England squad. I don't think many. Well, this is okay. Not to go over again, but this is exactly the, the argument that I make about why is Eddie Jones not better than he is? Why why are they finishing fifth? Because you are you are absolutely right. They they do have to scratch around for players that maybe other play other teams don't want, or they have to pick up players who have been treated badly by England, like for instance, like Redpath or Gary Graham or whoever it may be. So yeah, I think that's a fair fair comment. They do very well, but I think it also does show that you have like your best best players. So England have got some fantastic players. But you put together a bunch of players who are maybe five percent not quite as good, but they play as a team ten percent better. Well, you're going to be uh, you're going to be okay. Yeah, it's an interesting one with um, with the availability and the quality of players available to you. Yeah, um, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't always translate to a better team, though. Well, I mean, wouldn't it? you rather take the team who are five percent less talented, but with a massive chip on their shoulder and something to prove? Yes, and and then to keep reminding them of that continuously. So it's certainly in that regard. I think I think that worked in Scotland's favour this year because they had first of all the France breaking the bubble and uh, getting the original game called off. Then we've got the rearranged fixture, and then uh, the French 
Twitter account posted the the waff- <laughs> Happy Waffles Day picture, which I mean the the team Banter. the team talk on Friday night from Gregor Townsend did not need to be very much at all. It- so <laughs> picture up, I can't remember who it was. It's someone on, on on Twitter. So, um, if I remember, I will give you I'll, I'll give you credit. But it's either the French team or the Scottish team celebrating, but just holding waffles in, in, <laughs> instead of I, beers. I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> I, will, I will say though, just, just just to keep feet on the ground. Um, yes, beat France and beat England away, which must have been the first time that's happened in many in in a generation. Yeah, I think it did, was it ninety five that happened. Okay, maybe. there you go. But yeah, it, it's that doesn't happen very frequently. Twenty six years ago was the last time that happened, and uh, they still finished fourth. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I'll tell which... you another interesting little wrinkle on this. Um, Scotland were garbage during the World Cup. I mean, they were really awful. Yeah, they, they, they kept, got things totally wrong in the World Cup. But they kept they kept holding Gregor Townsend, and, and maybe uh, there's uh, a another there. another example. Same with Wayne Pivak. It was only six months ago, less than That's, six months ago. People were saying get rid of Pivak, and it was not so long ago. People were saying Gregor Townsend move over. Yeah, I mean, look, I've got an open mind on Wayne on, on Wayne Pivak. Um, the Gregor Townsend thing is a bit different because where else would Scotland go? If you think about it, they kind of dismantled Glasgow in the pursuit of getting this guy over to Scotland. He's here. And if you let him go, well, you've not got any more Scottish coaches coming through, so you're going to have to do something pretty radical. They were really forced um, into a corner. In hindsight, it wasn't a bad thing. Definitely not a bad thing. And Gregor Townsend, I really like him. I like the way, really like the way he talks. I like the way his teams play the game. I I, I still can't get over that they should be doing better, and they should be doing better than fourth. But it's... There, the the, mar- the fine margins in the Six Nations, exactly as I said before, that one of five teams could have won it this year, and I would count that Scotland in that. If a few bits, a few decisions, a few um, cards, and a few bounces of the ball go their way, they could be in with a good shot of um, winning it. Yeah, well, it's I, just I frustrating think, think it's that just... it's not happened. Yeah, like they've totally. not. They could have, for the last few years, been in that position, mm. and it's repeatedly not done. I, I think this is. I think this is true. Wales managed only one of their conversions against Scotland. I think they missed the others. Or the other. Others. Other, I can't remember now. If they'd missed that one conversion that they got, Scotland would have won the tournament. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, that, you, if, that, if that's true, even if it's not, and it, but it, it won't be far off, as in it might be two conversions... It's the fine margins, the, the margins of stuff like that, and that that is international sport. That is, the, and that's really the difference between finishing well first and fourth or first and fifth. Yeah, and I took your um, your tip off from last week, and I watched the England O2 uh, inside line, line, the next level, and I watched the final episode as well. That that content is as good as any rugby content that anyone yeah. produces around it. the world. It's brilliant. It's it's really really good. It yeah. gives you great insight. Like the, the one with the strength and conditioning. I, obviously, I always wanted a bit more, but the amount of information they're giving away and the, the insight into how they're making everything competitive, who are um, the best, the data that they're using, obviously not specifically what data they're using, but the mm. data they're using to compare and contrast individuals, really, really interesting. You do get a flavour for kind of the mood in the camp. I, I, I think you do as well. And there seems to be... Uh, they're not going to show guys arguing and stuff like that it's obviously um, they should do though shouldn't they well maybe they should maybe Dust maybe up. no one argues maybe everyone loves everyone pretty much yeah um, but it's do really really good on? insight how long have they they've been doing it for oh, a while they, they were doing it in while. the World Cup 
did they do it when um, Ben Taylor fell out with Matt Brown? <laughs> the campfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they do it when Tua Lange and Solomona go party. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the last one, they were very honest. Uh, Marrow, Owen Farrell, Ben Youngs and Eddie, very, very honest in the final episode of this particular Six Nations series. And just to follow on from what we talked about last week, Eddie Jones said, um, what did he say? He said, uh, I think I might have written it. He said, the, uh, this squad's time is done. Yeah. Sorry. And we've, he said something like, uh, the, the, the time, th- this squad's time is done. And it will be a new squad. And uh, so basically, I, I think... Like his, well, it happened two years ago. Do you not think he should know week. this before he puts them out, though? Is that his job? I don't know. I I think... I don't think we'll see that big of changes. I think we will see some... And I think there are a few people who will, probably won't play for England again. Just think about this, right? I don't think it will be wholesale. I think there might be maybe five to ten of that squad, that 30-man squad. And most of the shadow squad gone. Yeah, because the Shadow Squad was an op- I mean, it was an opportunity to look at the kids, really, the Shadow Squad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how this goes forward. And I don't know whether it's something to criticise him for or not, but maybe there's enough players that he likes with credit in the bank. Maybe. And he thinks, okay, well, we'll give them one more shot and maybe they'll come good. But also, when you're paid so much and you are in charge of the biggest union in the, in the world and you should be winning and yada, 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 yada. You should really know this, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you well, know who's. I, I just, just want to pick you up on that because, yeah, I don't disagree, but I, I would also say, like, it, it's quite noticeable the the difference. People were going, oh, well, that was a bit silly from France. Oh, they, they lost the game. They weren't at their best and Scotland deserved to win. Not. Fabien Galtier's got one of the biggest unions in the world, one of the biggest player pools in the world. You should be beating Scotland. It's, it's out of, how can you not beat Scotland at home? Well, I will say a couple of things on that. Firstly, I don't know the French situation as well as I know the English situation. Um, so what Fabien Galtier gets, get, get, gets up to... Uh, I, I, I just look. I just know less about it. That said, I do know that the French FFR are nowhere near the size of the RFU in terms of funding, in terms of the power that they have over the top fourteen. The top fourteen run the roost there. That doesn't really matter. It does matter because obviously player access. Well, they've got, but they've got more. They've probably even got a bigger player pool than England. They've got a bigger player pool, but player yeah. access. So you've got to decide what you think is important. Now, I would probably side with you on that. Tim. I'd say that your player pool is more important than your player access. But and the, the, and the you, quality of your players probably matters more than the number of players. Well, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? But yes, I take that point. Not, too. not always. Like New Zealand, totally overachieve in that sense but yeah. anyway yeah um but the RFU would say and the premiership would say it's more about player access but like French fans couldn't even get their players to play in the final so Fabian Gaultier has got different challenges to Eddie Jones I still hold Eddie Jones to the highest of standards I should I should use a proud as a proud Englishman yeah no I do and on the access issue I just I just kind of want to say that the, the the bleating from some people, Andy Nicholl was one of the people, just outraged that Scotland didn't have access to all of their players. It's like, well, okay, if you, if you don't want to pay them to, yes. to work, then um, you've got no place to complain. I'm somewhat mixed on on this. I think the I think the international teams are making a big mistake by not allowing. Sorry, the leagues are making a big mistake by not giving all the internationals equal rights to be released. And the reason I think this is because at some point one of the leagues is going to get so big, probably the French one, that they'll eventually say, well, no one's getting released and they'll all stay here because we pay them the most and no, you can't have your players. Well, there's a minimum they have to be released for. Yeah. Yeah, the, interna- even, the international I mean, windows. Be, I mean, just pure economics, eventually. if it, you know, Just let's say the difference between... Say the French league was as big as the NFL, for instance, just to make it absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. There's no way that England are get, get, getting their players back, no matter what they say, no matter what the... What world rope you say, no matter what anyone does. 
So well, they've got to be a bit careful how they treat all the other nations because at some point someone might be bigger and then not well, let the England players go. All, all the English Premiership Club said is, yeah, you can totally have access to them, but we want financial compensation for not having our people. And they that's why they went down to five people because yeah. Scotland only had a limited amount of money that they were willing to spend. And I also completely get that too because who pays them, who trains them, you know, yeah. all, who, who fills up their pension, all of these things. That, you know. I mean, if, if you were to take the, the full access to the players away from the Premiership Clubs over the whole window, not just the international release, then the Scottish players would be worth, or South African or whoever it is, they'd be worth a good chunk less but, than they are. Yeah, but you've because got to remember they'd be missing George... another five well, game weeks. kind of, Phil, kind of. You've got to remember the George North case. Do you remember that? I do remember so the George, George North, North case. George North had it in his contract that he could do all yeah, the things, yeah. go to the camps, go to the extra game in the autumn, yada, 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 yada. But presumably he was worth less with that in his well, contract. Then if it's if, yes. if, he, if he plays five games less, it was valued at sixty k at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it valued at? I don't know what. Yeah, well, I think it was sixty k. Yeah, I think so. The fine. I think that's basically yeah. what, is that what the WI paid fine. Northampton? Or was that was that not the fine? Oh, maybe yeah, something happened. But, but yeah, there yeah. was a fine. There was a penalty. But yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I guess my my point was, you play five games fewer, you are worth less money. Yeah, like it, it's as simple as that. But they don't get him unless they unless they release him. Okay, so. I guess the point. What how, the point I was making is can't even remember what the point I was making. Is that, so, <laughs> well, you, dis- you disagree? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With it. I disagree with it because it's not always about money for the Premiership teams. Because if it was was about money, George North would there would be no well there'd be no problem. The Premiership, as an organisation, decided to find Northampton because they said it diminished their brand and their competition. Which of course they are right, but yeah. you know it was in George North's con- contract. It was, and Northampton put that in his contract, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I mean, that whole release window, and, and this this probably pushes my thinking to something I've been thinking for a little while, which is, I, I think there should be less rugby, and this is a point you've been making for a while, mm. JB. If you're having premiership teams going out with significantly reduced star quality, like we're seeing um, at the moment, for for dual reasons, obviously no relegation, so people are blooding the kids. Um, but also, you've got a load of international stars missing. Then it's not as good a product. And I'd rather have fewer um, overall games of rugby, but every single one being a higher quality. So yeah, and we've got a problem, which is international rugby makes a lot of money, a lot of money. That that's a big problem. But I prefer the club game. But then I'm obviously in the minority because they're not. You know, the club game's not going eight million viewers or whatnot. The, the club game, a, an average game, will probably get one one hundredth of that many viewers. So yeah. it, it's there is a significant lean towards it. And Twickenham, every single game, Twickenham at probably averaging two hundred pounds a ticket will sell out eighty five thousand seats. I think every single game. The future has to be in the club game, right? Because. The way I look at it is you can't really... How could you run a competition along national lines as your main competition where all the focus is and have, I don't know, 10 games of international rugby? That's how cricket do it. Yeah, 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 actually they do. You're right. Cricket do that. It's it's the reverse of football, though. I mean, football, lots of proper, genuine club football fans don't bother watching. Certainly in the UK, I don't know what it's like 
uh, certainly in England and the, and the Northwest in particular, lots of Liverpool, Man United, Man City fans couldn't care less. Will not they, like, they will not even be aware. They, actually, some Liverpool fans will almost show boast about how unaware they are United of fans England used to games. Be massively that way. Yeah, massively that. Yeah. That way. Yeah. yeah, you're right, actually. I haven't ever thought about cricket being that way. Cricket is exactly it, isn't and it? It's, it's like... all central contracted players yeah. who get who get sent back to clubs when the international team wants them to get games and for agreed periods of time and at but, agreed windows of time. But you also get because because of the um the big bash and the IPL, which is short form windows where you, so all the and, and big paydays, like massive paydays for the best players. That that has that has to coexist with the international game, so because the international doesn't generate enough money purely for the their star players, so all the best England players, Stokes and Best, will go and play, um, well definitely in the IPL, and some of the other players will play in in the Big Bash in Australia as well, in order to make sure they're um, earning or maximising their earnings. And so if that was to be mapped onto rugby, it would be a case that the Premiership would be a much less attractive proposition. Uh, would play with loads of uh, loads of academy kids and, and 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 good solid pros who might get half a dozen games like Johnny Sexton the way he is with Leinster mm. yeah uh, they might get half a dozen games with Owen Farrell or or whoever it is in um, the in the championship in, in the championship yeah and then the, and then the rest of the time they go and play go they go and play three months all our England players are going to go and play three months in Japan don't like that wedge well don't like it, what, it makes me bristle so yeah no no the thought of it makes but me, I, no. I I, I I could get on board with that if I you couldn't. had, if you had the kind of domestic window and then like an international window and half and half you could have two domestic windows a year, two international windows a year, but that is kind of sacrosanct and every domestic game is you've got the access to the best players. Every international game you've got access to the best players, mm-hmm. and you could like if there were and this is going back to what I said about CVC the other day. The the main be- potential benefit from CVC for rugby fans like us is if they do manage to buy sufficient rights to allow there to be a rugby channel and a one stop pay per view. So I could so I could watch uh, Good and Cruis and Freddie Burns and all the rest of Ben Would Smith you? and Kieran Reid in Japan. I'd, I'd definitely watch some, yeah, some games like yeah. I I would I'd, I'd, I'd watch probably. Super Rugby right. AU Super Rugby Arthur if I've got the time. If it's, on I will, the, yeah, I will if it's watch not it. conflicting with other things. But also if, if, and the Japanese league doesn't have this, but Super Rugby Arteroa last year definitely had it, if you've got the right narrative around the league and the right, the right story, like Timmy often talk about around storytelling, tell me a competition that had better storytelling than Super Rugby Arteroa last year. That was, that was, that was one of the best tournaments aw- I've seen. Awesome. Is it eight weeks? Yeah. Really short window. They're all domestic rivalries. They're all auditions for the All Blacks. Like and it came down to the final game week. So it I can def- definitely see that. But on the other hand, I do like. So I think you should have no more than eight in eight eight in the international games. No more than sixteen maximum club games. That's sort of where I'm at. Well, yeah, well, I could go for a little bit, but I'd I'd like it. Yeah. Imagine if you played all the so, club games and all the international games. I mean, that's one hell of a lot. I mean, that's what the lads are, all, are already playing. Well, they're, they're, the 30, 30 games a season is the limit on the international players. The, the weird yeah. part is that due to the, the circumstances, the Pro 14 slimmed down the scale of their competition and yet still ran it at the same time as the Six Nations so that the final happened at the weekend just gone and now there's yeah. no rugby. So you've got this big empty window when the focus right. could have been on the Pro 14. 
But they did it whilst so the Six Nations I found It just makes no sense. Whoa, I found out something uh, absolutely fascinating today. That the Pro 14's over. I literally found over. this out from Phil over WhatsApp. Well, it, the Pro 14 actually ended today, even though the final was yesterday, because the final, final game oh, yeah, you're right. was ah, a rearranged... Is that why they were playing? It was a rearranged... Was it Dragons v Edinburgh? Yes. What a game to finish the season, Dragons v Edinburgh. I, I, was, trying to, I, was, I was like, are they playing a spoon? I mean, what, what's, <laughs> I honestly so, didn't know what was but, going on. So that is, it is a bit weird because it was... Like parallel, the the crescendo to the season was parallel to the Six Nations. What if a Scotland team had gotten, a Scottish team had got into the final? Well, there would have been other negotiations around who was available because obviously the negotiations were with the Premiership, but it would have been with the Pro Fourteen. And I suggest well, Pro Fourteen is owned by the by the unions, isn't well, it? So they go, yeah, yeah, off you go, boys. I I suggest that either the final would have been pushed back or the the finale of the Six Nations would have been pushed back. And they back. don't have the inconvenience of fans, do they? Not so the they moment. don't need to worry about them the, the logistics yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that, that is a bit of a farce, though. That scheduling, it is a bit of a farce, and it, well, it's it meant like it they meant don't take that, it seriously. Well, but then you've also got um, the Champions Cup next weekend, so it meant that actually Leinster rested oh, no, pretty didn't. much all, not not quite all, because Henshaw and Hugo Keenan played of the the Leinster starters. But pretty much all the other Leinster starters from Ireland were on their bench or not what playing. A joke. Whereas Munster did play uh, CJ Sander, Omani, Conor Murray. Oh, uh, so they won then? No, Leinster still won. Oh, right, okay. Leinster, Leinster, <laughs> Leinster ground out a uh, pretty boring. Pretty Well, no. Depends on what kind of game. You would have loved it, JB. It mm. was. It was. Brutal, physical, very, very stop Tell start, you, lots of scrums. One of the best games this season that I've watched was Munster Leinster. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's always a good because it's all like the rivalry. Both believe that they they are the best team in Ireland. Should be the best team in Ireland. I don't know. I don't know if Munster do believe that now. They're, like Leinster have got the hold on them, and you can see no, that Leinster have them. Munster played inside themselves. They did loads of one out stuff. In, um, in yeah. terms of Arturoa. Now that's a tournament that I, that I would watch. If the Pro 14 switched itself so it had like the Island Conference, the Welsh Cup, then you do whatever you want in there, but then you send a winner up to a, a Pro 14 playoff. Now I'm interested. Well, so one of the reasons why this season has been oh, curtailed yes, yeah. is because starting in about three or four weeks' time is the Rainbow Cup. Now, is that to thank the NHS or for the LGBTQ plus <laughs> community? What, what, what is this for? I actually looked up the Rainbow Cup because I'm obviously a big Nintendo fan. <laughs> and there is, of course, Rainbow Road in Mario Kart. Of course there is. And ne- next year it's the Mushroom Cup. Oh, is it? <laughs> the Flower Cup, the Star Cup. Nice. And uh, Rainbow Cup was not a Mario Kart, certainly not a main canon Mario Kart uh, tournament. However, it has been a tournament in two Mario Tennises and also the Namco-made uh, Super Mario GP arcade game and Super Mario GP 2 had a Rainbow Cup. Well, I never knew that, So thankfully. hopefully Nintendo are suing the Pro 14 for copyright infringements. Oh, well, actually, I want to talk about suing some uh, Rugby Cups later. <laughs> we know, so. didn't, well, didn't Super Rugby do Marvel shirts a few years ago? They Maybe did. they could do um, oh, like, well, Nint- Nintendo, Nintendo shirts. shirts. Have, like, uh, Connacht can be Zelda. Just have like, yeah. that love green. That. Yeah, Connacht Zelda. Um, Ulster White uh, Boo. I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea. Munster should obviously be Mario. No, no. Ulster could be like um, like one of the best Nintendo games ever with Goldeneye. 
uh, and yes. so they could just be like white shirt with a with a black um, bow tie <laughs> on, on the jersey. <laughs> I thought you were going to say generic cuffs. generic cuffs. scientist from facility in Yeah, that, yeah. yeah that too. <laughs> non playable character six. Yeah. Monster can be um, Mario. <laughs> yeah, Monster Mario definitely. Yeah, sweet. Um, so but, uh, but, but, the Rainbow Cup. So that starts in a few weeks' time, which because that includes the four or four of the South African teams, that will be probably a greater revenue driver because yeah. of, South Africa is a 55 million person country, population country. Mm. So the TV revenue that that will also bring will be pretty significant. So they've curtailed the Pro 14. They're going to have the Rainbow Cup uh, between April and June. And that is... So the structure is a league tournament, 16 teams in a league, but each team only plays their three derby games... Okay, so kind of what you're getting at, but then three other teams. Yeah. Um, so Ulster will play Munster, Leinster, Connacht, and then I don't know what the other three. I don't even think they've been named yet. But that's that's an interesting format tournament because it's only um, seven games long. Where, where's qualification for Europe next season? Is that from the competition that's just gone? I think it's competition yes, it that's just gone. That's yeah. why they had to play the last game. Oh after yeah, yeah, the yeah, final. Yeah. So. Yeah, of course. This is going to very much depend, isn't it, how serious the teams take it. So if Leinster put out, you know, the kids not interested, if they go full force and everyone goes full force, the idea of Leinster coming up against the Bulls or the Stormers or yeah, the I love that. Is, no, yeah. okay, you've got that, I'm interested. That I'm will interested. Be cool. Albeit those two teams, it's arguably harder. Sorry, those two teams, those two leagues, mm. Ireland and um, South Africa. It's harder because you play three of your games against the hardest opposition. Whereas if Ospreys, for example, get their act together, or Glasgow or Edinburgh get their act together, well then they've got easier games on average. Right, so who are Glasgow and Edinburgh playing in all this? Uh, Zebra and your beloved Benetton. Oh, that's out. That's so unfair. So they they play three games that are. Is it unfair though? Because yeah, would you like to unfair. go and play uh, the Stormers? After having a bunch of walkovers against Benetton, Zebra, and <laughs> you get to uh, the final, Glasgow. and then oh, but it's <laughs> High Leinster. Yeah, it's battle-hardened Lions, Bulls, Leinster, Munster. Just yeah. uh, one little, one little stat because uh, um, we've got Europe coming up, so it's kind of relevant from that point of view. And, it, and we talk about players playing too much and stuff. I've got the stats here on how many players Munster and Leinster have used in the Pro 14 this season. A shortened Ooh. Pro 14. Okay. Have a guess. I'm going to say they've used more than two players per position, plus a few extras. Give me 42. I'm going to say, I think it'd be more than that. I think I think Leinster will be close to 60. Wow. Munster maybe just less than 50. Munster 14. Fi- Munster 53. Ooh. Leinster 57. 57. Oh. Wow. So they've used more than three teams. Three teams at three and a half teams. They've yeah. used. Just trying to think if that's Which unusual is, or not. That's un. No, that's a. That's, that's no. No other. What, no other club side could do that. I was, wasn't. Wasn't Sale running on, on like a thirty-two man yeah, so first the, team squad under Diamond yeah, a few so the, years so, ago? So the so the Diamond equation was fifteen plus fifteen plus two. So yeah. Yeah. yeah thirty-two. Yeah. So that that that's how that's how he did. It. Now Exeter, or Bristol when they came up, had, I'm sure they had like sixty men. I wouldn't well, be surprised if they went through everyone. Exeter when they came up. Because Exeter, um, they had a team that was like the nearly team for a few years that was not quite there. And then they still had all those guys on long-term contracts, like a 35-man squad. And they brought in another mm. like 20 guys in the, the few-year run-up. 
guys like um, Steenson and Tui and Bath, uh, maybe Budgeon and Skaysbrook. Yeah, and so they they had like it was probably between fifty and sixty man squad the the year that they went up. Definitely. Well, yeah, it was a big old number. I bet Bath go through. About yeah, nothing. I don't think Bath have gone through as many as, well, many as those two. But then a lot of those, a serious chunk of them, will be academy lads who are getting the opportunity. But they're they're getting the opportunity to to experience that level of rugby in a winning team, which is in a winning team and. Oh, go on, then you can play against Dragons or Zebra. Yeah. Zebra. I hate to tell you, I your teeth a, in it. A, you know, a little trip away to Italy. To... Mind you, Ooh, Eng- I... English clubs get to do that now against Worcester. Anyway, and we'll, <laughs> we'll get on to the Premiership in a minute, but um, just a couple of bits of news to rattle through. Uh, England of... Sw- oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I'm just going to say one more thing yeah, yeah, for, about, the, about the Six Nations. Yes. I, I know it's sure going on. on no, 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 point, no, no, but, not at all. So, England, this is obviously, obviously a, a hugely disappointing tournament. So England, I noticed, looking at the Six Nations table, they scored negative points difference. Do you know when you have to go back, how far you have to go back to find the last time that England had a negative points difference? No, but I'd like to try. In the like six or catch. five nations. All five, six, ooh, uh, 1974. <laughs> I'll go 1988. Tim, you are one year off. It was 1987. Was the last time that the year of the very first World very Cup? First, yeah, the last time that England had finished the tournament. They did in the early nineties have a, a neutral, a zero points difference. But before that, even wow. like even all the the years wow. of bad performances, um, when they dismantled the two thousand three team and rebuilt and all the rest of it. Uh, did we speak even about- the Andy Robinson years? Even the Andy Robinson wow. years, positive Great. every because they. They get forty or fifty points positive point difference against Italy. So for yeah. them to erode that in four and of the usually games, either Scotland or Wales are a bit gash. And actually, that's as you pointed out earlier. That's one of the reasons it's um, it's good so, this year. Uh, did we speak last week about the Eddie Jones review, which is now ongoing? Yeah, and I've got something on that. We've uh, the apparently. <laughs> The Wales Online reporting that uh, Warren Gatland is looking for a house in Twickenham. Bye to that. <laughs> Student digs. Uh, yeah. Warren Gatland taking over England would be the end of the world for every other international team. <laughs> the road stops there. That's guaranteed World Cups for as long as you want them. How, how long would you like World Cups for? That, Do you like your World Cups? I, I'd, I'd, I'd take another World Cup if, or two. If Gatland was interested and available, I'd, I'd go I'd go for that. I'd, I'd say that even if Eddie Jones had just had a really good World Cup because I think that much of Warren Gatland. Yeah, Warren Gatland would, would, would never stop. He couldn't stop winning. He couldn't stop winning. <laughs> He'd probably get... Uh, what if Sean Edwards would would go back to back to Warren, back to country of his Never birth? Never go back though. I, I don't know. He, Sean Edwards seems to like. He, he seems to be self aware enough to know that his role is as a, as a defence coach. Yeah, his role is, as, is the, as the best defence coach in the world. He doesn't have ideas above his station and try and get, say, a director of rugby job at Quinns and mess it all up. And oh, never, Wigan. And, oh wait, wait. <laughs> Be a tough one though. For, well, not a tough one. It would be it would be great, but it would be the first time in his whole career that Warren Gatland has had as much choice. And it would. I, I wonder how he'd manage when he didn't have to. Because even when he had the success at Wasps, there was a limited. There was a finite squad. But he's got so many people, and so, sometimes having so much, you can't. Like like you always say about uh, NFL quarterbacks, you, you don't. You, you, if you have two, you've got none. And that might be the secret to why. Teams like Scotland are so successful because they don't have much choice. The team picks itself. Yeah. So there's there's no doubts over 
Guess we're we'll going to have to and, get rid and, of Finn Russell. And maybe yeah. it, maybe it means that you, although Gatlin did, I don't know whether Gat no Gatlin. Well, I don't know actually. I'm, I was going to say maybe you pick the system to fit the players rather than have your philosophy on rugby and then fi- and then um, find players to fi- fill it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. One one of the things. Um, so Eddie Jones did a, an interview with Dylan Hartley on the uh, England rugby um, feed this week, and one of the things he talked about was the obviously he spoke about the changing the team but he also sp- spoke about the the direction of travel of the sport itself and certainly with an eye to France 2023 and he spoke about fast rook time fast game quick pitches the way that Super Rugby AU Super Rugby Arturoa is going with the high skill set fast ball huge amount of ball in play time the way that the referees are going moving things in that way trying to keep the games sped well, up it's what World Rugby want isn't it, it that's what they want yeah yeah um, and there was it was like a hint that that's what they're focused on, and they will be changing the team with that in mind, which to me suggests that they will be going for. I, having heard him say that, I would not be at all surprised that if the next England squad had both Sam Simmons and Marcus Smith in it, which the internet would go wild because that's seemingly what everyone has demanded for the last six twelve months or so um, but I'll, be, I'll be interested to see if I'm just uh, adding two and two together and getting five mm. or if that is the, what he actually does we'll see just a few bits of news again we don't need to talk about these in depth just to pin them to the to the list of things that we need to keep an eye on England has switched the tour from the US to the UK they'll be playing those sides here mm-hmm. I believe Sky appear to have pulled the plug on their, their Pro 16 deal and it will stay at Premier Sports is the thought mm. That's good because I've just cancelled my Sky Sports uh, subscription. <laughs> Although it would be helpful if F1 could go to Premier Sport as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've still got my Sky subscription because I'm I enjoy watching the England cricket, one day internationals and and yeah, I had to sign, sign up for Sky F1 today. It's paying eighteen quid a month for F1. Is that just purely F1? Just pure F1. <sighs> that is quite a lot. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. For one for sometimes one race a month. I've got I've, I've got Sky Sports and try and forget about how little I actually watch it. Yeah, um, yeah. Probably just ignore it. Um, Maybe I'll review after the Lions. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, Amazon may share. That initially, it was thought Amazon were going to share one third of the Six Nations with BBC and ITV, so they'd do an even split. One broadcaster would have one game each weekend, but actually, Amazon may just focus on the autumn internationals, and it may stay terrestrial. Um, Scotland. Are looking at potential games this summer. They're going to play Japan at Murrayfield, but there may be a, a development match against England. So basically, like an A, a side again returning. I wish the A side. Yeah, A side being a regular fixture for England. Yeah, and they yeah. might play Romania, Georgia, or Spain. Very nice. Or, or some of those so. in Madrid. I don't know about that. Um, and by, and Portugal beat Spain. Um, and I was looking at that fixture, and I'd watched the highlights, and I was looking at the weather and the sort of surrounds, and I thought, tier two tour potential yeah, in, in Portugal. Yeah. Lisbon or Madrid. Mm. Although we'll never be able to travel again, so... <laughs> One day. Yeah. If we're good in Wales, uh, Mark Draper will give us our TV back, and that's why. <laughs> Just... Oh, I'm not, no, buy. I don't want to get into it. I'm so, I'm so demoralised. I think demoralised is the word. I am so demoralised. Hmm. Agreed. Uh, uh, yeah. But what does keep me going uh, is, is, is the Premiership. Are you ready oh, to talk yeah. about Premiership? Wait, yeah. can we talk about one more thing from internationals? Of course we can. Finn Russell got a red card. Oh, yeah. yeah. How do we not talk about this? Because all he was trying to do is change the behaviour of the tackler, right? 
Um, well, I, I tell I, you what, I'm going to broaden this out. Yeah, let's, let's touch yeah. on Finn Russell, but I'll broaden this out into, because I wrote down, uh, just as a little note, a question to ask, cards. Um, is it that people aren't changing the behaviour, quote-unquote, change behaviour, fast enough, um, and therefore will the number of cards, because it's not just international rugby, club rugby, we've seen loads, will the number go down, or is this the new normal? New normal, 100%. So I... I think it will go down I, I firmly believe it will go down you, if you incentivize it things will change and there, there was a an interesting stat um comparing the number of tackle penalties given away in last year's six nations which um for a lot of the players was was a a shift in the way that the tackle, tackle law was refereed to this year's six nations last year's there were 92 penalties given away in the tackle um, this year there was 27 penalties given away in the tackle. So there's a, a marked drop-off in, well, penalties, which is which does suggest there has been a change in behaviour from last year to this year, because okay. certainly I don't think there was any change in the way that they were refereed. Okay. okay, so my view on that is that this is the new normal, and the way it would change is a little bit more complex, I think. So the... All right, so let me just get my head straight here. The... I don't think that players are going to change their behaviour because I think the incentive of winning a game is stronger than the incentive of avoiding a card. So if your successful defence is predicated on getting off the line incredibly quick and absolutely annihilating people, but that does result in a 10% error rate, well, that 10% error rate is worth it in order to you know, win games because you know, that's, what you have, that's what you've got to do. You can't be seen to be giving away yardage or you know, whatever, the, um, whatever it is. Now, if those cards tend, if those cards start trending down, I think it's because the incentives for players to carry on hitting people as hard as they can, roughly chest height, because that's that's effective, um, becomes normalised again. And as it becomes more normalised, referees don't enforce it as strictly as they possibly did. But otherwise, I can't see, I can't see how this drops off. And I would be interested to see in that tackle stat how many tackles, in the same way that the ruck is one week officiated very very hotly and then next week not so hotly if we looked at those tackles and said oh actually it's quite there's a few there which would have been penalized last year but this year haven't been so on Finn Russell I will say that um he is a, an incredible uh, athlete and, and, and is he? He, yeah, no no he is <laughs> he is no he, uh, like in his his spatial awareness his reaction times and things like that are yep. Higher than pretty much anyone else in world rugby, he'll be at the very top of those. He could be a fighter of those, me- of those metrics. Yes, yeah, of those particular metrics. No one sees things as quickly and as naturally, and has that sort of body awareness as, as Finn Russell. He, he'll be amazing at that. And so, Finn Russell, I, I, I would. I, I read what happened with the tackle that Brees Doolan put in on him. I read that as Finn Russell is so aware spatially and body awareness that he calculated in microseconds, you know, involuntarily, that, that if he didn't put his arm up, huh? he was going to get walloped head-to-head. Yeah. And I, so I, I almost think it's like, you know, when you when you touch a hot plate, when you touch a, a, a hot flame, automatically, without even consciously thinking it, you, you, you move your hand away. I think there was an element where that was unconscious self-defence, if you like. It was Finn Russell... 
wasn't trying to get a competitive advantage. Oh, look, I'm going to push Doolan away. He was, I'm going to stop my head from getting cracked by Doolan's head. And so that's. I'm not saying it wasn't a red. I'm just saying this is where I don't think that red card is going to change Finn Russell's behaviour one bit because I think it was autonomous. Yeah, I don't, I think, I don't think he had any conscious control over what he did. And also, like, I kind of think if we're trying to change the behaviour of players to go low, maybe keep the behaviour of players that stand upright in the, in the tackle and uh, you know as a mitigating factor. As a mitigating factor. Hey, you were high. You know, event, occasionally you do get elbows you know around the chest. So it's, yeah, it's a little bit like if you if you cross the road uh, not at a, a zebra crossing, fine, but expect to die. If if if, <laughs> if if a car's whizzing by and you don't you don't quite spot it or you time it wrong, you're going to get splatted. Yeah. Don't don't blame hey, them. I saw someone crossing the A55 the, the other day. That's a terrifying terrifying experience. <sighs> were they playing chicken or were they just trying to get from no, one point to, to but another? I've had this right. No word of a lie. I've had this on Princess Parkway coming into Manchester. A guy was sort of face on, and he was trying to get in the way in the, in the way of cars on. On the way to Birkenhead Park, I think to, to play an away game, and this guy was just going back like backwards and forwards. It's awful. I remember being some insurance scam. No, I think he wants to die. I think oh, he was God, genuinely. God. Genuinely, I, I don't know. He was just trying to. I don't know. If he was trying to show off or what? He, the guy had a death wish. So uh, back to Finn Russell. So I, I'm not saying it wasn't a red card, and I can sort of go fine. I, don't, I would have been quite happy if it was a yellow or a penalty or nothing. Actually, I would have been fine well, with the, all those. I can't these get... standards don't seem to... I don't think, no, I, it, I hear what you're saying. Is it written down somewhere? That the but, 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 leave the... but my point is nothing's going to change because Finn Russell or any player would do the same thing to stop their own head being cracked open by and someone also, else's I would head. do the same thing in order to attempt a handoff. Well, that, so I think he was, be it voluntary or involuntary, he was attempting a handoff. Now that His palm that, was flat. Yeah, that that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be a red card because if you yeah. if you miss and totally accident if you intend to hand off and totally accidentally catch someone in the head with your elbow, that would be a red card under the laws. But I I was actually frustrated with it, and I, I thought Wayne Barnes, besides that, was was brilliant in the game. Um, obviously, fluent French for advantage and brilliant. all the rest of it. But quite, quite wonderful. He he let the boys play. He did everything right. Um, even in do- letting some things go and do- doing some things wrong to allow the game to be quick, but I th- I think he got this wrong, and this is actually the only card all tournament that I think the referees have got wrong. I th- right, from just from thinking back before, Peter Romani, Zander Ferguson, um, Bundiaki, uh, Willems, are happy with all of those being a red card. This just didn't quite feel right, and the reason it didn't feel right wasn't. Because of the, he was trying to hand off because that can be a red card as well if you mistime it or get it wrong. It was more the the I think the initial contact was twofold. It was Finn Russell's uh, left hand on Bryce Doolan's left shoulder with a flat palm, with a flat palm, but equally and at the same time, his forearm and his elbow went right across Doolan's chest to his other shoulder which means that the initial contact was not the head and neck area, it was chest, and then it slid slid up. Now, in the old high-tackle framework, there was an allowance for if the initial, initial contact, contact is yeah. lower and it rides up, that you can mitigate down or, or reduce the, the sanction down. So if it was a red card, it could go to yellow. If it was a yellow, it could go to a, a penalty kick only. If it's a penalty kick only, it can go to nothing. Now, actually, about three weeks ago, they changed the high contact framework. Sorry, the, the 
that high tackle framework for the right reasons, because it's now a head contact process. Um, because the high tackle framework obviously is only for tackle. tackles. Yeah. Um, this was the other way around. The offending, the perpetrator was the ball carrier, not the tackler. So it's actually quite convenient that they've now using this new process. However, that mitigating factor of sliding up doesn't appear, the initial contact and going up, doesn't appear on the new process. So I think probably or possibly Wayne Barnes was right because there was contact with the head, but it was after an initial contact with the chest. If you take the letter of the law of the new process... However, I think the new process is missing something that was clearly in the old process. And we all know the precedent has been set that if it is a tackle that starts on the chest and then the player slumps or if it rides up to the head, that is nowhere near as serious as one that starts on the head. Yeah, so, completely. So, so for that reason, I would have been happier if it was either a red card down to a yellow or even I would have been fine with a yellow card down to a... A penalty because I don't think the degree of danger from the initial contact. No, I agree. It's Finn Russell. Was high. Um, he, he, actually, I don't blame Doolan for being in pain because then after the initial contact or the, the second contact to the head, Finn Russell then does fall on top of him with his elbow in the head neck area, and that did look pretty painful. But no, I, it's very painful. I, I would isn't it? You know, it? That's what they signed up to play. It, it is. It's a painful sport. There's there's pain within the laws and there's pain outside of the laws and yeah. this this was pain on pain on the boundary of the laws but I I just think it was the wrong call it felt yeah. wrong to me yeah yeah I am with you it felt I think I'm with you yeah. uh, there's one phrase we're hearing a lot just on the conversation of cards um, the TMOs uh, we need to check this there's quite a lot of that and I don't have a problem with that per se uh, except to say that. There seems to be quite a few things at the minute which happen repeatedly and regularly in games which are very randomly picked up on. And I find that quite frustrating. Yeah. When it comes from a TMO who's just well, you could have you could have come up with that same call I would quite the last, like, the last half yeah. dozen breakdowns. I'd quite like yeah. it if the referee had to call the TMO in. Well the the captain's referral that's being tried yeah, in could be Artaroa, where they have to give a specific right, yeah, to uh, that rook there was head contact or whatever, net roll, whatever, or in, at that point in time. And I can't remember if it's a use it or lose it type situation like cricket, but that seems to be, well, don't don't put it on the um, referees, put it on the players. Because yeah. like, there's an element of, well, I know what we tolerate and what we're trying to do, so I'll be a little bit um, more relaxed if, if we've been given the rubber the green kind of thing, whereas otherwise it is, because the inconsistencies is frustrating and it's inconsistency both ways it's and when it costs you so much as well the same thing yeah. over and over again and then boom it costs you a yellow card why mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. On, on, yeah. The, yeah, on that particular occasion, the TMO says you need to have a look at that. <clears throat> for, an, for the type of incident which happens repeatedly through a game, I find quite frustrating. Yeah. Now, I can understand, just picking on one particular yellow card, Luke James against Wasps. So Josh Bassett was falling, and that was a, one of those situations where I think the tackle yeah, starts, starts slower one. and slips, and then slips up, like oh, you said. Initial which, contact. Which, and I only mention this because exactly what you said, it's been taken out of the framework, so the mitigation was no longer there for Luke James, for the initial contact, and it was Josh Bassett that was falling. And I just I looked at that, and I remember I watched that again and thought, if you were trying to change behaviour... What would you, if you were Alex Anderson, what would you sit down with Luke James and say on Monday? And I, and I looked at that and went, finish him. Nothing, because <laughs> if, Luke, if Luke James goes low on Josh Bassett, Josh Bassett will just run around him. Because yeah. you have to stay in a sol- strong defensive so, position. Do so I don't know. So, I, so all, I, all, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle and yeah. I, I'm picking. I, I've got two things on that, right? Which is yeah, like, go on. if you want to change, change behaviour, God, I hate that phrase. It's so Orwellian. Um, and the player hits low and rides up. I kind of think you've achieved it. And you know, if that's what we're worried about now, hits sliding up. Two plus two equals five. Yeah, you know, fine. <laughs> yes. Right. So there's that. But on the other hand, if I applied the framework, I actually look at look at the Sam James one. I thought he was lucky not to get red because it is a force. Was, was it Sam James, not Luke James? Sorry. Luke. Luke. No, no, it's Sam James. It was Sam. Oh. It was Sam. Did they both get yellows? Yes, they did. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Bassett... The, ha, no, hang on. It's Luke James that Bassett... Uh, with, uh, with Bassett. Yeah. And then Sam James later on. Did Sam James get one? <laughs> Sam got one. <laughs> no, he didn't. Hang on. Was it Was it not Butch James? <laughs> yes! Butch James is the dad. Um, <laughs> Sam... No, it was Luke James. It was one of the Duprees, I think. It was Byron... And God knows how St. AJ got a yellow card. I've never been there. <laughs> well, I, I think they've been doing... I think Pat Sanderson's been doing volleyball in practice. Oh, God. Okay, no. With Sharks. That's the only explanation for all these... I honestly don't think AJ McKinsey has done anything wrong in his life. I agree. <laughs> in his life. But you were saying something about changing behaviour. Go on. Yeah, so if, if the idea is changing behaviour and these players are hitting chest high and then riding up, I kind of think you've already... I mean, no one... Have you ever, ever made a tackle in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tackles that you've made? thinking, I can't wait to ride up in this tackle. It's just not... You, know, you only think about where you hit. You don't think about riding up or riding down. Yes. I've, I've never thought of that. You never get yeah. that from some other podcasts cause, cause, because they quit when they were 15. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of optimistic about the changing behaviour. I, I, I don't like the language change of behaviour. I, 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 like, I just like to think of it as incentives because I like incentives. I like incentives. Yeah, yeah incentives are a good thing. I if you incentivise it in the right way... Things will change, and I, I, I do. I that. do think that the Six Nations, the just the stark difference between ninety-two tackle penalties last year and and twenty-seven tackle penalties this year, it makes me more optimistic. Mm. Good. Well, on that on that positive note, let's shift to some of the games and let's start with that second, uh, first v third, Bristol v Quinns. What a game! Oh, I what love a it. game! I, I that was it. an awesome, it's one, it awesome might be the best game. game in the Premiership this this year. And yeah, it's it's right up there. 
How? Certainly that first half. Well, the whole game well, the was whole, great. Because the finish, was, yeah, the, f- yeah, the first finish. half was madness. The finish was crazy. I can't work out, uh, well, many things in this game. There's <laughs> more questions about it than, than, than there were answers. So you know where I stand with Quinns, which is they need to win against a top four team. And they have, actually. They've, they've beaten Sale. Um, well, they but, have, and and they will look back and think we should have beaten Exeter and Bristol yeah. away. Could have, would have, should have. Are they comfortable just being second best and saying, "Hey, we're really good"? Yeah, close enough. You have to actually win, right? You have to win. They, they stopped playing. This is the oh yeah when they were setting up those rucks. Four minutes to go, and they just stopped playing. I think that's the takeaway. It's never let your foot off the gas, and we saw. Um, who did it? Uh, Wales did it. Exactly the same against France. They mm. just stopped playing. It, it, the pressure gets to you. Like, I was watching... So, a podcast that we did uh, a few months ago, I think it was before Christmas, and um, we finished recording at about midnight, and I went home, and I just happened to um, open my laptop and onto BT Sport. It was the finals of the snooker. It was the deciding frame of the final of the snooker. A thirty-five frame decider, and the pressure was on. So the, these guys have been playing for hours. The pressure is on. This is a master title or word title, whatever it was, and it, that fr- that single frame took over an hour because of the pressure. Neither player could pot a ball <laughs> because the pressure just built. And it's, it's the same. There's a degree of that. Obviously, this game less important than the Wales game, but when the pressure gets to you. Your body control is not as good as it used to be. Your thinking is not as clear as it should be. And everything falls apart. And I think you saw that with Wales a bit last week. And you, you saw it with Quinns this week. Like they, I do agree with you, Jay. They, they had to win this. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd make as great a assumption for their long-term performance. But they really had to win. And they, they could have won it. And they should have won it. They should have. I mean, imagine a Quinns team now. With an extra win under the belt, a Bristol win under the belt, away, they would away, be, yeah, away. They would be, they'd have so much swagger. They would be yeah. cruising to top four, and when they get to the playoffs, they. I mean, we're talking about a team there which are probably going to make top four. So, a team you say these guys are favourites now because they can beat big teams, big games, and they've got the sale win under their belt too. Just uh, the the one phrase that Pat Lamb uses all the time: trust the process. Yeah. He, he says that phrase and the and the players say it all the time and you see on their tweets that the players put out they the number of times they put out hashtag trust the process and it's clearly been drilled into them so that the, cause the last two weeks conversely unlike Quinns the last two weeks they've been points down and come back and in this particular one yeah. against Quinns 12 points down with less with, than 10 to yeah. go and they just they just switch into they stay on processes not thinking about exactly all the yeah, stuff not about. letting the pressure build and not Letting that affect their their clarity of thought or their clarity of of control. Yeah, that, it was such a weird game because the way it flowed too. When they came in for half time, I was thinking, yeah, there is what four points difference because Quinns didn't. Uh, Quinns went for the kick, didn't they? They, <coughs> they, they? they didn't go to the corner, so they came in four points behind. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I'm thinking it's only four points, and I'm sure Quinns can think of some nice things to say to say say to each other. But I would be more worried now because I know I can't contain Bristol. Because every time Bristol got the ball, they would score, and then Bristol would play wide, and their hands were. I mean, that that score from oh, like, was it Byrne who gave a little tip pass to Atwood? Oh my! Well, that started. Oh, no, no, the, the Atwood. The Atwood was the the Atwood. It was started, the started under his own post. It, it, yeah. Marcus Smith hit a penalty shot, which hit the post, came down. Atwood got it, and unlike any other second row. 
just and this isn't Atwood. If Atwood had been playing for Gloucester or Bath previously in his career, he would have gone head down, trucked it up. But because he's playing in this Bristol side, he looked for the space and from under their own posts, a lock stepped, went. Gave the ball, and then a couple of minutes later, he's being given a I mean, little pop it, it, pass. Was it a well, like No, fit, fit, Fitz Harding's the one you're talking about. Yeah. Fitz Harding one was, no, hang on, that's another one, I think. Fitz Harding was second, second half, right? No, that was first. He'd just come on End of the yeah, 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that try. I thought that was, that, was the best, that was the best try, try, try of the day. Because it's off, um, it, it's, it's off a rock. You, you've got two players. The yeah. angles are fantastic. The hand's yeah. fantastic. Against a set defence, and they rip through them and score. I think, oh my god! Like how on earth? I mean, people talk about semi red round. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in getting <laughs> your forwards off in that. I mean, well, that's unbelievable. Well, the point they're all doing it. Yeah, Randrandra is just a freak with his offloading ability, but they're all doing that. Get past the contact and then lift. It, <clears> yeah. So that was a. So I'm thinking now, Quinns obviously can't contain Bristol. They are done. Even though they're only four four points behind, they can't second half and they completely contain Bristol. Yeah, this is brilliant. They're showing they're showing that they can score. They've shown that they they can adjust. They've seen what's in front of them. They've changed their game plan. They're now containing them. They're they were kick, they were kicking a lot more. Danny Kerr and Marcus Smith were kicking yeah. brilliantly. No, the Esther Hazen try, which wasn't the one he didn't score. I think he, he, he offloaded. Yeah, that was unreal. That was cool. Yeah, but the the, the Quinn, what I loved about Quinns, which w- this will give them heart towards the end, in that first half they had. Three or four early on in the game, three or four kickable penalties in and around uh, Bristol's twenty-two, and they kicked all of them for the corner. And you thought Bristol are going to hold them out here. Bristol stop this. Bristol stop this. No, Quinns trusted them, trusted themselves to do it, and crashed over. You know, like, this is going to Quinns know they can take them up front or at least match them up front. So, do you know, I don't know what the so stats. I don't know what the stats are after this game, but before the game, Quinns had the highest. Uh, Scrum win percentage in the league, ninety eight percent. That's interesting. Um, and up until yesterday's game, they'd not missed a single lineout in in like four games. Fifty two yeah. lineouts in a row. Yeah, they'd got. They're so gonna, their basics are solid. They're going to yeah. miss Baldwin a lot, you know. So yeah. throwings, I mean, like for how long have they had three hookers? Who, if you merge together, you'd get one. Yeah. Well, Baldwin is basically that. He might not be as good as say Dave Ward at sevens. But like he does, <laughs> he's, 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 big. he's a big old lump. He solidifies that scrum, which obviously have been Marla and Vilco Low on either side of you. Um, also helps solidify it. Yeah, I, I just I, I I like this team now, but I have a feeling. Here's my prediction for Quinns. I think they're going to get caught by someone else and miss out on top four now. So they did it. Was it last season or two like, seasons? North, ago? Northampton two are behind them. I'd... Tigers. No, Ooh. not having that. Tigers is my call. No. Wow. No. Put it on the whiteboard. Although just, just Miles Benjamin show. Just, <laughs> just, uh, it's already got Tigers on it. Yeah. Dovetailing the two um the two games together, I will say that um Marcus Smith did some great things. George Ford did some things that had Marcus Smith done them, people would have been absolutely going nuts. Oh, he needs to get him in the England squad. Look at that kick, look at that kick. Well, I mean, George Ford is enough. so class. Funny enough. Right, that's exactly what they would say, and that's why George Ford is in the English squad. I mean, <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. You literally nailed it. But it, it, it I, I know exactly what you mean because a couple of years ago it was the same with Cipriani. Yes, and oh, exactly that. And yeah. it, don't get me wrong, Cipriani does some amazing, miraculous stuff. I, I'd like to have Mark Smith in the squad for the record, but yeah, yeah but there, there's and as would I, and I, I think it will happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. That, that's my prediction. Mark Smith will be in the but, next England but squad. But the shiny new toy, but, and particularly a younger shiny new toy, always gets. 
But look how look how good his hair is. Yeah, his hair is magnificent. He's like an anime. I still like George. He's like an anime character. Isn't say, he? When I say I like George Ford far more for Tigers than I do for England. I think for Tigers, you see the whole range of his skills, and he just he looks well, like a. It's interesting you say that because I don't think you did see the whole range of his skills today. No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> not you, today. You're right. Un- under other circumstances, you do. But that's because you get so much less time at international level, which is why. You just, oh no, because he's kicking everything. I mean, that's like, not a bad thing. I was going like, to say, ask ask James Lowe about the step up from club to international rugby. No, what I mean by that with George Ford is, I think other coaches would say, right, George, just go and play. But because he's in England, he's got so many other options. He's got Farrell at twelve. You know, you don't need George. Like Leicester Tigers, literally have nobody else but George Ford for the last <laughs> two years. He has single-handedly won them games. He had to, otherwise, to get. Smashed every single game. Single, single handedly still... kept them up a few years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If it wasn't for George Ford and Nigel Ray, uh, Leicester would be in, <laughs> in the championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so George Ford basically, is, you know, when, how would that negotiation go? We're going to pay you a lot more money, but you're going to be our only player. <laughs> <laughs> um, loved, loved, loved the um, the Bristol game. Yeah, so and what what a finish! What, um, what a performance! For the record, I was stood directly behind um, like you could draw a, a line from me stood, sat in the stands over the assistant referee's head to the ball when Kyle Sinclair grounded it and the the angle that the assistant referee was looking I was looking directly over him and you could 100% see that Kyle Sinclair grounded the ball ah mm. interesting because some people oh, was, yeah a notable mention for Moynihan at fullback Morahan yeah. Morahan thought he was bloody good considering he, he's the third choice fullback for them yeah he was class he was class he, he is class do you not remember his try against the Lions in 2013 he is a quality he's quality so player. elusive isn't he yeah, yeah. And, and Bristol had it wasn't all plain saying they um, lost now Laugo it, was it in the warm-up you, you were there yeah. Tim yeah, 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 relatively the shortly before kick-off they lost Luatua their captain and influential leader um, and adds a hell of a lot of bulk to what's otherwise a fairly lightweight back row mm. in Earl uh, Thomas and Earl did Fitz, not have his Fitz best Harding. game. That, that's a guy who did not have his best game. Nor, he, nor did Randrandra, to be fair, although he still yeah. does some world-class things. Randrandra more and more reminds me of the guy who plays for Australia on, on the wing. Corabetti. Corabetti. Like, incredible moments. Like, un, unmatched world-class moments. But also loves to throw the ball away, make horrible mistakes, and throw it into touch. And Randra, because the whole narrative in comms. I don't know if you picked this up, Tim, because you were you were there, not listening to it. Like, uh, us no, blacks. I have it in my ears. I was listening to it as well. It was. I, I listened to that, and and like directors going, camera nine ready, and camera nine, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and all that. Well, and, you know, and, and so there's other little things. So I hear I hear a little producer saying, "Let's get the uh, citizen. Um, let's do the citizen." Thing or way or something. So there's a little time. If you look at the clock, every now and again, a couple of times a half, a little citizen bit of branding will pop up. Uh, by the clock. Yeah. So I have all that in my ears as well. But yes, I heard the commentary. What was your point, Phil? Sorry. The, the, the point was the so Randrandra did unbelievable things. His offload for the Piers O'Connor try was yeah. it, it was exactly like Sonny Bill Williams. It was like was blow it? for blow like Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. His one-handed offload. Um, the threat that he poses just by him being semi Randrandra on that pitch, three players will honeypot towards him because they know how dangerous it is. And all of that got talked about in all of its glory for most of the 80 minutes. 
he didn't actually have his best game, no. and none of that really. Okay, occasionally there was a oh, he's, he's human as well. When on, on like <laughs> yeah. what, just, one in four of it. his mistakes, I mean, he he could have he actually could have got yellow carded uh, in the first twenty minutes because he dived over like three rooks. He was like hands in when there was, was no hands yes. in, and he did like I, a missed three into touch. Yeah, he got turned over a couple of times. Now, even with all that negative stuff. I'd still much rather have him on the oh, pitch from my God, team yeah. than the opposition or, oh or anywhere else. Would you rather him or, or Esther Hazen? Oh, can you imagine the two of them together? Uh, oh. I'd, I'd probably still have... Uh, yeah, I'd have Randra. Well, it depends Andra. on the team. No. I'd have Esther Hazen every I'd, day of the week. I'd rather have uh, Randra Andra and Piers O'Connor than Esther Hazen and Marchant. Uh, well, Marchant's letting me down a bit there. But Esther, I'd have Esther Hazen... I'd just have Esther Hazen. <laughs> yeah, Esther Hazen and Randrandra. Yeah, yeah, Esther yeah, Hazen yeah. and Randrandra is insane. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. I'd, I'd, that would be my best of, of those four options. In the Premiership, mm. I'm not sure you could pick a better, better sense of partnership. Uh, Sam James and Luke James. Oh, yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I love, love Randrandra. I'm so glad he's playing in the league. Um, I did think the commentary was a little bit one-eyed, like, as in it... it they only highlighted if you're going to talk about Randrandra all the time, you have at least to recognise occasionally when he does something wrong. Yeah. Um, the one thing which I kind of I, I feel like a bit bitter about, really, is I just wish we could see this Bristol team at its absolute best against a Saracens team. And the fact that we're missing so many players from the Premiership because they're playing Richmond just thinks, oh, I mean, if there, there's a top three now of Exeter, uh, Exeter, um, Saracens Bristol. and Bristol. My word. Yeah. That'd be pretty tasty, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just? Uh, by the way, um, Cornish Pirates lost away to Doncaster. So, uh, oh. Oh, dear. So Saracens are now second. Oh, are they? So e- 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 Ealing got like a 70 it's... point win over Hartbury. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's all basically on an Ealing uh, Saracens. Saracens showdown. Home, Come on, Ealing. Home and away games. If, 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 if we're able to go to games for that, let's go to that. Yeah, we, we should do. We'd love the, to do that. Do. That'd be cool. Um, which other game? Which other game? Let's talk about the sale game because. <coughs> oh, do we have to? This is one of those times where if, if you could give both teams zero points, oh, that's what you do. What? It was incredible. <laughs> no, it was I mean, not incredible. It, it was. No, actually, inept. actually, let's talk about the Bath game. That's that. that it was yeah, like, let's, let's, do, let's so, do Bath. No, just, do, say, just say on sale, and it, it was like they're. They need Panini sticker books to come back because it's like they're trying to go around collecting cards. It's. <laughs> they, they, they were ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what is going on there. I mean, like, you know, I was saying half heartedly before, like, uh, AJ McGinty's a saint. No, I really mean it. Like, he is—he's just a saint. He doesn't do anything wrong. When he's getting re- yellow cards, I've got no idea what is going on. But somehow, a lot of heart to to come through. Although, the, what, what, what? Like, talk about um, Quinns having that mental block or Wales last week. You know, when the pressure came on, what wasps just mentally shot. Yeah, well, they, they've they've lost so many games that they last season they would have won, and this this just a, another well, they example. Well, they to go down the middle, didn't they? Because when you watch them passing the ball, which they do so beautifully against Sale's thirteen men, Sale are so hot getting across the field because Wasps like to play it wide, and actually they didn't need to do that. They could have cut straight through the middle of Sale. Well, the, the touchline is your your extra defender, and, oh. and Wasps just played into it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah about- th- that'll hurt. Well, particularly, and I think um, it was pointed out in commentary at the time, and I think it's absolutely bang on, a confident Wasp side or a Wasp side last year or 
before this run of bad games, would never have taken that penalty when they were deep in sales half, when they were down to 13 men, and they went, they, they extended it to a six-point lead. That's when they'd go for the jugular when they were three points up. Yep, mm. I completely agree with and that. And they didn't, and it, and it just piled the pressure on, because only six down... Sale could then kick territory, pin what wasps in. I wonder how much of that is down to an old head at fly off saying, okay, look, we'll just take the points. We'll, we'll be sensible. We'll play the percentages. Because they started kicking the ball. I couldn't believe it. They started kicking the ball and it's 13 men. And I think if you have a Charlie Atkinson on or a Jacob um, Umanger, they probably don't play like that. You've got, yeah, you've got to run it. Yeah, they run it. Because they're, they're fearless. And it's not that I don't I don't like Jimmy Gopper. I love Jimmy Gopper. I think he's brilliant. But maybe just... That's, I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. When the Jimmy fact- Gopeth was a key part of the team that was doing, that was playing the way that would have won this game last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's absolutely. absolutely. Because I mean, if your ten starts running around with the ball, you've got to follow him. You can't just say no, <laughs> no, don't do it. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah, see you later, kid. Uh, so yeah, but you know, Sales' resilience is remarkable. They played for twenty minutes at least with thirteen men. Yeah, it was, was it four yellows in that second half? Yeah, four in the space of twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I mean, also, some of that is minus. The, the Baron McGuigan one was interesting because Baron McGuigan is a master at interceptions. Like usually, when he goes for it, he gets them. I think he's had. He might have topped the league one year for interceptions. interceptions. He absolutely nails them, but he just got it wrong. Mm. And also, what happens to the standard of knocking it up versus knocking it down? Does that no longer matter now? Uh, I've, so the law is it's not a deliberate knock on it I, I mean it is because that's the wording but that's not um, how the law is written it's you've got to be in a reasonable position to catch the ball so whether you knock it up down sideways or what if you're one hand fingertips mm. you're not in a reasonable position to catch the ball no matter where you so knock I, it Yeah. so uh, I don't know I, I kind of think the per- the best person to judge if they can catch a rugby ball, would be the professional rugby player who tries to make, <laughs> to, to make that catch because that's their job. But okay, I see that. It used to be didn't it, if you slap it down, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean that 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 would still be because you are yeah. you're in no reasonable position and to catch the ball. You throw it up in the air and well, you're trying to get hold of it. I don't think that's a reasonable. And I I would probably be with you on that because because the only reason they're tipping it up is to try and then catch, catch it. Catch yeah. it. yeah, yeah. And also, so a lot of them are. It's kind of like a block that you you don't know where it is. You're just trying to get your hand in the way, so you've yes. got no time to react and try and grab so anything. AJ's that's, is definitely a yellow. That's definitely a, yeah. That is a deliberate knock on, even though it's not deliberate. But you are in no position when you're blocking from a yard away. If mm. you're five yards away or eight yards away or ten yards away, you've got enough time to make a decision, even if you can't get a full two hands to it. But you know that you're not just trying to get in the way or slap it down, you can consciously change the position of your hand to give you the best mm. chance of catching it. I tell you what, Sailor in good shape you know, with, uh, with the kids kids coming through now. They've got some good kids. Oh, Harper, um, who wasn't playing the, playing playing the, this week, maybe absolutely mega at tight head. Uh, Ewan Ashman came on, made a hell of a difference. Bev- Bermont Bev- had his best game in years. Who's not a kid. He's not but a kid. He's not... He's, he looks a lot older than he actually... He's like 27 and he looks about 37. I think he might be 30 now, Josh Bowman. I think he's, he's a lot there. older than he looks, certainly. Yeah, but, oh, I wasn't classing Josh Bowman as, as a kid before. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but um, Bevan Rod. Bevan Rod's and very good. Doug Dale, I really like Doug Dale. He can get, well, Cameron Neal's a guy who has just been revitalised. I thought Cameron Neal was due to go, to be honest. But... Um, 
yeah, looks at ace now. Well, if you're talking about good young players, let's let's jump on to the to Irish and to Saints. Let Irish Irish be oh. back. Oh, what a game! How I I'm now going to say this. I think I would win more games with Bath and Stuart Hooper. <laughs> I, I just I genuinely <laughs> think that. I I would love I'd love to see it. I, I guarantee it. I would win if I was in in charge of Harlequins. I'd win exactly as many as those two coaches have currently won. And I know I'd do this because I know exactly what I'd do. I wouldn't show up. You'd be do nothing. I well, would not show up. So firstly, so, so the, the context here is London Irish are a good team. Yes. And, yeah. and, and they're at home, right? So that, that's context number one. Huh. London Irish are no slouches and they're at home where they perform better. Uh, Bath had two red cards. And, what, and it's one of those things, again, when we've had conversations before about certain games... What what on earth can Stuart Hooper do about those two red cards? I don't know at this point. But, but isn't that like his whole shtick? Like he's not he's not the coach. He doesn't tell you to, to roll on the floor, and he doesn't tell you when to kick or when to pass. He's the cultural guy. He makes sure that everything you know is in uh, is, yeah, is in place within the club. He deals ma- with global matters. But for yeah. a man with like liberta- libertarian instincts and who lo- likes personal responsibility to to, to <laughs> sort of shift focus onto coaches when players like England's players do completely brain dead penalties repeatedly or they get two red cards it just it doesn't it seems incongruous uh, I would look I, I don't know if I'm going to address that directly because I don't think we could I don't think we need to spend too much time on that I would just say that uh, Stuart Hooper's performance uh, in the head of Bath I, I, mean, I don't know I don't know if he's doing enough coaching to justify him taking the blame is, is, is the honest answer but I do wonder that you know should he not be making changes somewhere? Is it good enough just to be talking about what is globally important? He's got one of the biggest budgets in 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 the league. He's got one of the best squads in in the league, and they've lost more games than they've won. I, I I'm I I don't think Hooper's right. I, I've never quite liked him. But I don't but think. I, yeah, that, that's fine. But I'm just saying, coming to coming, you know coming to that part? conclusion after this game, I just think it's crazy. Do you know the wor- and the last game. And the last game, and the last game. The worst part about Bath, right, is I made a joke about this, but I do do it now. Uh, I put bets on when they are 10 points up because I know they don't have it in them, which is ironic because they do have it in them. That, this is the worst part about Bath is like they will go up and they make it look so easy. Like when they turn it on, they, may, they might be the best team with ball in hand when they, um, <laughs> when the, they turn on. For the first 15 minutes of the, the game. First 15, they are unplayed. Like they open up against Newcastle. Some sublime hands from um, Redpath to uh, to go in underneath the sticks, and this is a pattern that's repeated week after week after week after week. And I was talking to a Bath player a few a few weeks ago, and he's like, "We're nearly there. We're nearly there. We we know Pete teams fear our collisions. We know that you know we are uh, good good at what we do, but we just can't make it stick. And I don't know what it is, but." Well, where else would you point, point, point the finger? At this point? You're right. This game in isolation is you, you shouldn't be say, calling for Hooper's head just from this game in isolation. Because he, he, he sent his team out and they were looking like they were going to trounce Irish. And maybe they would have done. No, if, yeah, but if, they look like they're going to trounce every, everyone. This is their problem, <clears> isn't it? Maybe they would have done if they'd uh, not had well two red cards and two yellow cards. Yeah. Um, they, what, so they've lost eight. They've won seven. Okay, so it's not a complete disaster for most teams. They'd say, okay, you know, it's a bloody hard league. But Bath are absolutely stacked with talent. Absolutely stacked. I can't help but think they tried to... Well, well we have the salary cap, 
which means they'll they'll be one of a number of teams. They'll, they'll be one of a majority of teams that are spending the same exactly the same amount of money. So the talent they have kind of in their squad is irrelevant. No, mm, is, well, yeah. that's why there's a salary cap. Well, yeah. yeah, okay. So not everyone spends up to the salary cap, but it's like most where, most do. But like, where do they spend it? You know, if you're not seeing Toby Faletel for most of Six Nations, well, that was a waste of money. If you if you're saying I've got loads of England players and they all go all go to England, well. That's on you. You know what you know. You know what they are when yeah. you re-sign them and, yeah, you give, yeah, totally. and you give them more cash. Um, this, like, the list of errors there just goes on and on. And I, I do genuinely think at this point that although I've I like to give Stuart Hooper a little bit of a kicking occasionally because partly it's because it's quite fun because of all the cultural stuff and I, I hate that stuff. But also, I think I feel a bit sorry for him because I'm sure he's not picking these sides. I'm sure he's not signing these players. Positive. I mean, you can't talk about culture and all that stuff and then sign Danny, sign Danny Cipriani. Not that he's a bad guy or anything, but it doesn't fit in with what he preaches by any, by any stretch. Depends what kind of culture you're after. <laughs> That's I, a good point. Uh, you know, they've re-signed Joe Cognacinga uh, this week to an extension. Why? Who is making that decision? That's a ridiculous decision by any stretch. He didn't look great this weekend. He did not well, look great. He won't be playing for England anytime soon. I mean, Cochrane Singer. Yes, yes, he, I, yeah, he, he, won't, he won't be missing any yeah. games. Ironically, that performance has made him more valuable. And it yeah. looks like, looks like uh, Rocco's probably days are numbered. Yeah, Rocco's gone. And, and here's the irony, right? So somebody in Bath is doing some bloody good work because they picked up McConaughey, they picked up Will, uh, Will uh, Muir, uh, Will, who Will looks Muir. great. Like Max Clark looks like he can play. The Glanville they've developed well. The, the Glanville is, is class, I yeah. think. He, the, the Glanville is really, really good. Someone is doing some bloody good work there. But on the other hand, someone is doing some... I mean, some of the stuff they do is just inexplicable. Well, let's, let's, since we mentioned Big Joe, let's talk about some of the positives from this game. And that Irish back three is... Awesome. Tom Parton. I'm all about Tom Parton at the moment. Parton, Loader, Hassel Collins, they are all class. I was looking at Loader and I was thinking, is he too skinny for international rugby? Or is that just a stupid thing to say? Oh, he, he's, he's fast, he's steppy. The, the, his first try where he pa- steps through four... Is, four power four is force times acceleration. Yeah. Force, yeah. Well, force equals mass times acceleration. Force so. equals mass times acceleration, that's the one. But the way yeah. he went around, where he went underneath, the, underneath those sticks was awesome. That's and, unplayable. And that... His second try, where he takes the ball, almost standing still behind him on the wing, and then accelerates into the corner, was awesome. So I'll say the, the, the days of the the Giants are, are numbered. Big Big Joe or one of those Irish back three? Who would you have? I, I'd rather have one of, any one of those yeah. Irish back I, three. I, in, I, who would I have? Based, based on and, and that's so. Big Joe, I've seen him do some very good stuff in the past. He's come back from a bad, what was a very bad knee injury. Um, I don't think he's playing his best rugby now. I don't think he had a terrible game. There's good covering tackles, but I would, I'd rather have any of those. Yeah. those and uh, and, and I will caveat it. There's right obviously now. a place for big men, clearly in the forwards, um, but there is a pl- big centres is shifted from a big winger. So having one big centre seems to be well, like Randrandra yeah. and Piers O'Connor are both big, big guys. Um, Esther Hazen, as we've already mentioned, Rona for Irish does, who does is that a big, job. Who is a big slice? He's a big old boy. You've got Van Rensburg or Tuilangi at Sale, or both on, on yeah. Sundays. Uh, yeah, uh, this Irish team. They, I mean, big big Luth, big Luth. Yes, uh, they they semi impress me. I mean, they let's, let's be honest. Bath keeper their men on the field. And they don't have a complete breakdown. 
they could they could have won this. But, but just, just come back to Paul. But then, but, but then Bath's, Bath's two tries at the end were when Irish were down two men. Yeah. So it, it could have been a, a 15 point win for Irish. So just back to Tom Paulson's second. Yeah. You know, we have been um, throwing around like who who might be the next fullback for England? And it could be him. It could well be him. If he carries on, his positioning, I don't know exactly how good it is, but it doesn't he doesn't he doesn't seem out of place. His attacking is absolutely electric. I mean, he's, he's so fast. He is, isn't he? Freeman's quick as well. Freeman for Saints, uh, Parton for Irish, Stewart for Leicester. Uh, there's three young guys that are doing. Who's, that are, uh, who's looking good? You, you missed one for Saints. Slight home. Slight home. Winger. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So sorry, Freeman, yeah, Freeman can play yeah. fifteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah there are there, there are some options. Obviously, Luke James as well. Yeah, but this is the the conundrum that Eddie faces. It's a nice problem to have, but how do you how do you pick and. How do you guarantee? How do you pick which one of those is going to be your man, and then how do you stick with them? Because in two years' time, there'll be yeah. another five um, highly talented. Which goes back to that, that point that when you've got so many, it must be hard hard to pick. Yes, and there, yeah. and again, there is a massive step up from club to international rugby, which is why so, which is why the maximum amount of emphasis when we look at players to make the transition to both international rugby and or British and Irish Lions. The European games that are coming up should be where the focus is way more than the Premiership because, as I said earlier, and not trying to be disparaging to James Lowe, who's a great player, ask James Lowe about the step up to international rugby. It's mm. massive, and he would carve it up in the Premiership. He did, he'd do he, right. yeah, he'd do it right. He, he would no, do. There's, there's no two ways about it. Uh, there was a few other things I want to talk about uh, in relation to Bath because we haven't quite got gone about them enough. Um, <laughs> I don't think Orlando Bailey was trusted enough with the ball. Did you feel that? He, His first premiership start. Yeah, he, yeah, he did I, seem a bit a bit quiet. Yeah. Um, but Bath... Like they were playing off nine a lot. But, and, and they... That's what they, you they, would do. Was, that's, like if, you, if you were head coach at Bath and you had an 18-year-old making his premiership first premiership start and you had Ben Spencer inside him, what would you do? I would trust him to play, I think. Don't change anything. But, it, but Bath played, certainly as they lost men later in the game, they just played a more narrow game. Yeah. And if, if you look, if because I watched the game and then I rewatched just the highlights of the tries, and all the Bath tries were, um, there was the Max Clark to whoever it was, um, slightly wider, but every other try was, it was a rolling mall. It was it was the, the foot tight forward work, and all the Irish tries were Ben Loder dancing through people, Parton going round people, Ben Loder in the corner, the Irish, um, Curtis Rona in the corner. Irish were trying to spread it wide, and Bath were, certainly when they lost men, trying to narrow it off. Mm. Now, I don't know how much of that is down to the, the 10, how much is down to the, how much they trust the pack, how much was down just purely to the cards. But I think, I think Bailey, who's obviously, he's incredibly talented to get there, but he was a little bit anonymous in this yeah, game. Yeah, and 10s thrive off... Uh, responsibility, don't they? You know that's what that's what they're there to do. And when you sort of cut them out a bit, I wonder if that can backfire sometimes. Maybe. Anyone got anything to say about that Danny Cipriani signing? <laughs> uh, we said a little bit. Um, uh, he, he can be a fantastic player. It's 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 a risk. It is a risk. It's a it? risk. It's. Well, I don't think it was Bath. Well, it certainly wasn't Bath's original plan. Um, it wouldn't be my plan if I was in charge of Bath. Um, I can see it working for a short period of time. I'm not sure. It's not going to build. You're not going to build a dynasty on a 33, 34 year old Danny Cipriani. No. 
So I'm going to make two separate arguments, and they're going to be absolutely counter to each other. <laughs> you! So, yeah. So on the one hand, what I'm thinking is it's a disaster. Because if it's not working in, in Gloucester with all of his mates as coaches, like what chance does Stuart Hooper have with the you know, best will in the world? Just, you know, it's hard. Number two, if he does go well, I don't think the coaching staff get the credit because it's Danny Cipriani. Danny Cipriani did that. He run, Yeah, he runs everything. Yeah, he, that, that's what he does. However, here's, on, here's the other side, which is if your attack is not quite where it should be and you think... You know, you need to revamp it. And your attack coach isn't having the biggest impact on the squad. Maybe bringing in Danny Cipriani to run the attack is not a bad thing. And if you've got this young lad, Bailey, who's any good, learning behind him. So this is what I was hoping might happen, is Bailey has a good game and then sort of gets a bit of a reputation for himself and then is ready to hand off from Danny Cipriani. Now, I'm not sure if Danny Cipriani is the type of guy to bring a young 10 in. They, they specifically Dang. reference that in the press release. Have that, they? Yeah, that he will be kind of nurturing Mentor. the talent. Yeah. yeah, because you know, if there is a lot to learn from Danny Cipriani, he's not just a good, um, skillful player. He's bloody knowledgeable. You know, that, that that's the other thing which you get. The downsides, though. I mean, you know, there are there are some downsides without would, doubt. Would you do it if if it was if it was sale and AJ goes and. Uh, it depends on my brand. The pre goes, right, and I don't mean that flippantly. It really does depend on my brand. If I am building something, you know, I don't think that um, Alex Anderson does it. Let's put it that way. I don't think Mark McCall does it. I, I don't think Mark. Can you can you, can you imagine Rob uh, Rob Baxter doing that? No, no way. chance. <laughs> exactly. Not, not even close. But you could imagine because he's done it already. Someone like Steve Diamond's doing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he did it. He brought yeah. Sippers back, didn't he, from Melbourne? Because that's the sort of brand that they've got, and he thinks that he can take. I mean, he thinks he can take on difficult players and get the best out of them. And you'd argue that he relaunched Danny Superior's career. So it depends on what my team is, what my budget is, what I'm saying to everyone. I wouldn't want to be saying, look, we're building from within and we're about this, that and the other. By the way, here's Danny Cipriani. I don't think that works. Yeah, if, if you were Bath then, because I, I get the point of what team and certain teams mm. would have him, certain teams would not. If you were Bath in this situation, would you have him? No. Yeah. I. I that said, I think he's going to look wonderful in, uh, in, in their kit. He'll look great in the kit. My, 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 my big concern here is, um, and I've said this before, but... Um, Cipriani, when he was at Gloucester, he played his best rugby early on when he had a sniff at, at getting more England caps. And that actually did lead mm. him to um, a couple of caps in South Africa. And when that carrot was taken away from him, that seemed to be the beginning at the end at Gloucester. And I just can't see that carrot coming back, the England carrot. I really, really think he should have gone to France or Japan. And his carrot should have been making as much money as Danny Cipriani can possibly make for the next three to five years. I'd be 100% behind that. I think uh, I think maybe he's had a bit of he's had a bit of a break and that might mean that he can re-engage with the, the game as well because you're right, he did lose something. I also think one thing that hasn't really been mentioned what are Gloucester fans thinking? They're going, alright, you, you need to leave the game, do you? Yeah. And, and you're going to come back a little bit later with our big rivals. Alright, yeah. cheers Danny. No worries. Yeah. I think they're probably... Well, knowing what he's done... Well, they're getting out of Hastings, gone, so they won't care for next season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Knowing where he's gone, I think they'd say good riddance now. Not that they don't appreciate what he, you know, when, when, when he was playing, but they did everything they possibly could for him. And if he yeah. wasn't playing well, you know, they're probably better off saving the salary. And maybe... Maybe if Danny Cipriani left my club, 
the way he left Gloucester, I would want to send him to my local rivals. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, one, one final thing on Bath, just to touch on something I've said a long, long time ago, I just think they need to be more uncomfortable and I think they need to get out of Farley House and get down to Lambridge on the bog and just start just be start <laughs> being idea. a spit and sawdust, uh, concrete changing rooms. They need to be uncomfortable. Do you think, do you think they should play their home games at um, um, in Oxford? In yeah. the um, yeah, the Kassam <laughs> Stadium. In the Kassam Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> they need to be. They just need to be uncomfortable because <laughs> uh, because they're just yeah, top two inches. They're not hard enough. Mm. Uh, Saints, Saints though, like, like again, Exhibit C for this podcast on the Giants are out of fashion now. Naira Voro is going to struggle to get back in this team. <clears throat> yes, quite. Yeah, now, uh, this is one of those results, as is. Most of the results last week, which just proves to me that the lack of relegation means that the league is devaluing. Oh, big time. Yeah, and people agreed. are so daft that they don't understand the difference between leagues devaluing and clubs devaluing. I heard an argument the other day saying that because the league is now closed, it is now technically more valuable, which is utter, utter nonsense. The value of the league comes from the fact that the clubs are competing with each other. It's a competition within the league. The value of a club and the value of the league are two completely different things. You can have a very... Well, all the clubs in the Premiership are not particularly valuable, which is why you can pick up Leicester for next like next to nothing. That's why... That's why and, you and it's a bit like that phrase um, when you say someone knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Yeah. The idea that... now, OK, so now the league's closed, they can afford to, in, to invest, the, the league's more valuable. That's not how it works. The league is valuable... Because of the competition in it, which includes relegation. It's not to say a league without relegation can't be more valuable in the future, like the NRL, but it's not It's not the same thing. So this Worcester result, basically the way that Gloucester have been p- picking their team, all of the home wins last weekend are showing now that some teams are going, not going to happen, just not going to happen. Well, even even Exeter, they fielded really close to a... Th- yeah, yeah, and in some third places, a third team. Yeah, yeah not, not right across the board, and they still had some experience in there, but it, this was this is not a normal Exeter team. And they didn't even have... Like, when they were fielding their B team last year, they had some experienced guys like Dave Dennis and um, uh, Dollars and um, Steenson, mm. who like brought real, like, proper experience, leadership experience... And they were winning game like dollars running round semi Randrandra to beat Bristol last year. Easy. I mean, this team would not have beaten Bristol. I mean, they didn't beat. They lost to Gloucester. Hmm. So I, I'm in two thoughts on this game. Um, my two thoughts are, well, okay. My overwhelming thought, I must say, is that have Ex- Exeter earned the rights because of where they're on the league yeah. to play. So, that so team. yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. One hundred percent, they have. But that's. Uh, I guess I guess you could argue that they might have done that because even in a competitive league they would have already earned the right to be able to do that. Yeah, but um, it's it's just an example of um, the the uneven teams because had that Exeter team played the Gloucester team from last week rather than the Gloucester team for this week, they would have won. Exeter would have won, and it probably would have been a a pretty close game. Did you see how many debuts that Gloucester gave to lads last week? Yeah, four debuts, starts. and you just don't do that in a in, in a, a single game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and this and this is what I mean. The league is is worth more with relegation because 
at the moment, well, not at the moment. When we get to the end of the season, we will not have that Newcastle Leicester game, or what? You know, they will not have the end end of season drama. Why people can't understand this is beyond me, absolutely beyond me. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, preaching um, to the converted here. Just yeah. a quick, quick shout for Paul Hill and his ch- chip and collect. Outrageous. <laughs> Paul Hill, the prop. He was the prop idol for this week. We had uh, <laughs> uh, what's it, uh, Jeff Tamu. Uh, to Manga Allen the other week doing yeah the, the thirty odd gas thirty odd gas back. and Paul Al- Paul Hill's uh, prop idol skills were outrageous yeah he's a good good player I, I like him a lot I, I I'm a little disappointed he hasn't pushed on to be an England player I thought he was when he first moved over to yeah he, I'm sure he got in one of the early squads he did did he yeah, yeah. him so, and Kieran Brooks a good and, size to him like he's a good, yeah, good shape big boy yeah. Aaron Painter would be that would be that, and uh, Hayes and Joe Hayes. Yeah, Joe Hayes. Who I need to see a bit more of, but yeah. Mm. Um, uh, do, we, do we learn anything from this game? Well, other than my no, my fantasy rugby draft I, weekend was ruined by Ollie Slightome. Well, I learned something, which is sort of semi-interesting. But uh, did you see the interview with Jonathan Thomas post-game? Did he apologise? No, he didn't. It was a, it was a written uh, interview with the BBC, and he says he's losing twenty players at the end at the end of this year. Yeah, I did see that. So that might account for why just everything is up in the air. And again, not to go over all ground for people that don't understand, but this is exactly why relegation matters. Because if they, if he's losing twenty players, he doesn't want to be playing his twenty players, even if within those twenty players he has his best squad. Yeah, you. <clears throat> but you've got to. If if there is relegation, it matters. Whereas this, nothing matters. The, or, the twenty players leaving. Or on the flip side, as soon as relegation, uh, not being a part of it, was decided, he went right. Get rid. Mm. Well, he couldn't because that's what, uh, to a degree, Borthwick has done. He he's cut contracts part way yeah. through the season. They've been brutal. Over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over there. But I mean, so, you... so they've so both Leicester and Worcester. Well, Leicester up until now and Worcester moving forward have behaved like a team that has been relegated yeah. and coming back up. And this is sort of the free rider argument, isn't it? Which is they just devalue the league for for everyone else. Because you know, if imagine the NRL or whatever, and they're all trying to de- trying desperately to avoid the spoon. And actually, if they do play well and they do play play their players till the end of the season, they still have a sh- a chance of you know getting to a playoff. Well, then it's different. Because it's well, that, and that does make a lot of sense because it's a really tough market out there, and there might be the majority, maybe a dozen of those Worcester players don't have a club to go to or have a much poorer standard of living wage or whatever yeah. than, than, yeah. they, than they currently the have. Lads, so I've got a list here of lads that they that might go, um, provided by a, a friend of mine, and you know, looking the lads are losing. They're, they're not. I mean, they're guys with Premiership experience. One of them's Graham Kitchener. I can't imagine that. He's from a good very family. good family. Great good family. family. Great family. No, they wouldn't do that. Why would they do that? It makes no sense to me. Um, but yeah, I've got a list of 20 players if you want to know them or some of the players that they're... Uh, are there any, we're probably aware of a few of them. We know who ha Other than that, yeah. big names? Uh, well, you say big names. Um, well, like, no. Duncan no, has gone, hasn't he? So, Callum Black, um, Connacher... Callum Black, Ulst- Ulsterman, Callum Black. Don't, don't, don't go through them all. Just tell us Kitchener, the big names. Bresler, Merrick, uh, Matt Cox, get, Matt, Matty Williams. You're going through the whole lot. Um, <laughs> GJ. Well, I mean, when you say big names in Worcester, I mean you know all two of them. So like it's, Dun- Duncan Weir. Yeah, and oh, Duncan Weir's one. Yeah, we know we know Duncan Weir's Finnell, going. Scott Van der Breeder, uh, John Akito, Hugard, Cornell Dupree. 
Cornell Dupree is a big name. He played for Scotland. Mm. He's, uh, okay. he's a Dupree. I, I guess this is the he's problem, the fifth isn't it? best Dupree in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, is there anyone else on there? Nah. Yeah, so thank you to whoever you are who supplied this. You know who you are. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of apologise to Saints fans because I'm sure you'd want to talk about some great attacking rugby, and there was some. But it, it, again, it's a little bit like talking about Pro 14 games sometimes. It's, well, if Worcester are going to play like that, I don't want to. I kind of yeah. And we didn't talk about all the amazing tries teams scored against Italy in the no, Six Nations. No, we didn't. So no, let's uh, move on. Just on that. So looking at the table, because I know we've got two more games, or we've got one more game to talk about. We kind of touched on the the two games, but um, we can touch on them a little bit more. Just, just on the Jonathan Thomas thing, was he saying that by way of explanation for their poor performance? Yeah, I've got a lot of turmoil, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And he's in a, t- he's, he's, he's in a tight situation. Um, I, I, oh, he, I mean, he's taking full advantage. He's doing probably what is required, given that relegation isn't a factor, but exactly what you said, it does devalue the whole league. Yeah. Well, the other thing you must remember as well is, for all the young kids he was playing, it wasn't them that, that let him down. It was Chris Ashton. Getting a red card by, you know, firing headfirst into a ruck. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah. And last game was Newcastle Leicester. So before we go into this, uh, London you- Irish and Northampton are the two teams most threatening to Harlequins. But I don't. I think London Irish have the potential to get a bit better. I, do, I think we know broadly speaking what Northampton are. The team I think are going to get better now substantially are going to be are going to be Tigers. So Tigers have won the same number of games as Quinns. Both won eight games. There's some COVID games in that. COVID though, isn't games, there? yeah. Yeah, but Co- that, that's a couple. F- from just in pure league points, the difference is that Quinns have got a lot of bonus points, both losing and try scoring, whereas Leicester have hardly got any of either. So, so Leicester have done all this right in a very ugly way. You've got, you know, like... <laughs> Um, and I say ugly. I was, I was talking about the style of play there, but actually, well, let's let's go back a step. They're in an ugly way in terms of how they found I, out they've got some pretty good kids now. Uh, in the same way that, uh, yeah, uh, I thought know. I thought you were referring to the way that they have just chopped contracts midway through the season. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There, there is that too. So, absolute bloodbath at um, Leicester with, people, with players going in and out. But I do genuinely think they have got a really good core of young lads now. I think Dan Kelly is legitimately great. Dan Kelly's great. great. Stu- Very good. Steward's great. Potter looks good. Yeah. Van, Van Portfleet, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you've yeah. Got these guys. And, and the South African back row. The Liebenberg, um, Brink, Visa, Brink and Visa. They're massive. Uh, Brink, uh, sorry, Visa and um, Honor Liebenberg particularly. They are awesome. Mm. Those two. So to get this far, and now they're reintroducing all their England lads. I mean, I get one of their England lads is Tom Youngs, it's Ben Youngs. Um, but like, um, <laughs> you've got Ford coming back for the rest. Of the- There's no reason for George Ford not to play a single game now until the end of the season. That's massive. Genge's back. That's massive. Yeah. Like this, this is going to make a real, uh, um, a real difference now. And I can uh, just see them kicking on. Nandolo's could be back soon. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, not, I don't. I don't think they'll get top four, but I think they'll have a good run to the end of the season. And they're so street smart too. I mean, they know when to kick. They get in the corner. They know what they are. They're not trying to uh, dazzle anyone with um, you know, expansive play or culture. They just bang it in the corner, and then they're going to well, beat you up. They and that's what this game was. They 
<laughs> there wasn't a lot of attractive rugby played in this game. It was two teams going toe to toe because Newcastle will happily take that challenge all day long. Yeah, they've got a big, well-drilled, experienced pack, and they're horrible. I mean, they... Newcastle are a horrible pack. Yeah, who who would win, by the way, uh, Genge or Welsh in a fight? I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked this because I I think I know the answer, and it's not Genge. <laughs> so, do you know anything about Welsh? Welsh, Welsh. Do you know anything about him? Uh, he's a prop. <laughs> Played for Newcastle. Didn't he have a great uh, Scottish. chip and chase a few years ago, three or four years ago? Might oh, yeah, you're right. So, here's just a little bit of trivia. I'm not saying it's going to translate to uh, decking, uh, decking Genge. Because uh, Genge fancies himself as, you know, he fancies himself. He had a flinch backwards when uh, John Welsh sized I, him and up. And I tell you what, that was the shuffle forward, the, you know, like the footwork, the way, the way he lunged. That was a well-practiced lunge. He's... He, he, <laughs> He knew his distance, right? <laughs> but John Welsh, I went to uh, Glasgow just to have a look around the facilities and you know watch the players train and whatnot. And they've got a board of the of all the biggest lifts, and it's all John Welsh. Really, all John Welsh. The uh, the squats, the deadlift, uh, the bench press, and uh, I've just I've just looked at the, yeah the uh, John Welsh uh, repping out two hundred kegs on the bench press. Yeah, nice. So. I was wondering, like, I wonder if Genge is, you know... So, allegedly, Genge said he was not in the best shape. I think that's what he insinuated. And then, I don't know how that escalated into two professional athletes squaring up, but I love the fact that they did. Now, that should be on the pre- on, on, on the Premiership Twitter. What? Uh, Those well, two squaring up? Yeah. Oh, make, make sure you tune in for this one. Should be should be tasty. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. It's a shame that he went off early, and that was a legal clear-out, too. Yeah, it Jake, was. Uh, that was handled weirdly as well. I mean, maybe it's right in terms of the laws, mm. but Dick's, there was a, clearly an illegal clear out from the side, uh, possibly with um, f- from the laws. But I, I actually don't hate that it was not a foul play clear out, but yeah. a bit weird that he didn't. Penalty from in the side, yes. Yeah, penalty. Yes. But it's a bit weird that even though he's seen it, he couldn't then go back to. Well, because yeah, it's a penalty yeah. because he let it go. And yeah. the TMO could, could only adjudicate on foul play, not uh, indis- uh, indiscretions. I, th- I think you're opening a can of worms if you start saying that someone going in at the side, it's so a, a technical offence, is foul play and you should... You, no, you, yeah, no, no, no. But yeah. that's what a lot of people are saying, is it should have been a yellow or red card because John Welsh got injured. Yeah. Had, his ribs got hurt. He looked in a pretty oh, bad yeah, way when no, he went I, off. Yeah, I'm, you can't you can't judge on outcome. I'm I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah, not. No, no, I'm not, not saying, saying that. Yeah. Saying I'm just it, it's kind of if you see it, however you see it, you should make the right call. Mm. Like, if you happen to it gets shown on the big screen and you happen to watch it, if you see something that is not within the laws of the game, the, it, you should uh, take the appropriate decision once I you've think seen once it. Once you a few phases, like, yeah, sorry, I didn't see yeah, that. You can't yeah. go back for a technical penalty, necessarily. Yeah, it's yeah, yes, if you're looking back at was a try scored there, oh, hold on a minute, they only had that ball because of an illegal clear-out. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah. just just on one thing, and I, I, I sort of said we need to keep an eye out for it, and just it just reminded me, because it was uh, in relation to a card, Irish, mm, I'm not going to say they milked it, but I'm also not. But I'm also not saying they didn't milk it for some of those cards. The yeah, the the creevy one. Mm-hmm. Which was the one where he got hit in the back? That was the Yules. So no, I know Yules hit him in the back. But who was the player? 
Oh, good question. I think the player who got in the way of Yule's making the tackle should have got the card. I, so I don't because he didn't change his line or anything like that. It wasn't there wasn't a blocking. Well, he wasn't looking where he's going. Um, he, was, he was just looking at the ball, which he, he wasn't. He wasn't looking behind him to check where Yule was. I just didn't get out of the way. Uh, you know, <laughs> get out of the way. And also, or the, the yellow card given to the Leicester prop. As well, I just thought. Hang on, hang on. are I've we giving another... yellow cards for this? Sorry, I, I, would, I know we're going all over the show now, but let's just focus for one second on the Cholly's red, a second yellow red. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the London Irish player wasn't looking where he was going. No, he wasn't look. He was looking at the ball, which was where he was running towards. He wasn't looking behind him. So to I've got. So he's in front of the ball, right? Uh, yes, because so the ball's the ball. ball's behind him. Balls. Behind him, so he can't receive the ball, but he's looking at the ball. But he's in the, in my mind, he's in the way of Yules getting that ball carrier because Yules gets rid of him and then gets the ball carrier. I'm thinking like, if Yules wants to throw this guy around because he's in his way on the way on the route, so it's, it's game of rugby. Like it didn't, he didn't clothesline him out um, the way. He, he didn't, he you know, he didn't eye reach around, eye gouge him and throw him to the floor. Like just push the guy out of the way. It doesn't matter if he gets pushed out of the way. What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, if you push him out of the way, it wasn't a push though, was it? It was a it was a shoulder charge. Oh, whatever it is. I mean, shoulder charge to the back. I just think get a grip. Well, see, I, I had no problem with that being. I, I can a, see that yellow. one being the yellow card. I thought the one in the Leicester Newcastle game was a little soft. Which, which one was that? That was the where, where the steward tried, and it might just be because it you know it might have cost me a premier uh, fantasy rugby draft. <laughs> ah, steward here tried, we go. Steward try got disallowed because the decoy line was being run by the Leicester prop, who they passed behind. Oh, okay, him, and all he did was sort of carry on his run, and he put his arm up, and so he sort of ran into a Leicester defender. Didn't block a tackle by doing it. Just ran a decoy line and ran into a Newcastle, sorry, Newcastle defender yeah. and a yellow card. The the one that I found was weirdest... Was it a yellow card or was it just a pen? I think it might have yeah. just been no, a pen. Think, oh, maybe it was just a pen. Anyway, it cost me a fancy rugby draft win. <laughs> That's terrible. That's the point. That's terrible, That's Tim. the point. We can't have these decisions. Well, there we yeah, go. Wins. Now, now you're speaking to Tim, I think uh, Ollie Slightone should have been red carded after 30 seconds yeah. in that game. Yeah. Did Morgan Passman get, get, get on the field this week? I didn't didn't notice. He did on sixty nine minutes. Apparently, this guy's electric. Mm. Electric. So passman. So so I've heard, but um, no one noticed him. Uh, I didn't notice. Him. You noticed him, Tim? No, no shame. Passman can't yeah. have been that electric. No, maybe next time. It wasn't. It wasn't really a game for no it wasn't. Uh, electricity. It wasn't a good game. But it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a good end to the weekend. Rugby wise, I disagree. No, I mean, I, it, do, I didn't enjoy it. I, see, they excite me less now because. I Don't. fell asleep. I fell asleep during Wasps' sale, and I nodded off during Leicester Newcastle. How did you do it? How did you do it? It's incredible. Le- Leicester Newcastle did not grip me, sadly. Uh, but so the reason I like it is because they know exactly what their what their identity is, and they mould the game to what they want it to be. And that is an incre- that's an incredible um, attribute to have as a team. Incredible. It, they, I, I would agree with that. It still doesn't mean it was exciting for me. Mm, I yeah, I can see why I can see less why less cultured rugby viewers can mm. see it not being as exciting to I like me. My, I like my mackerel fishing. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm big into this. Big well, we've got some it. mackerel fishing coming on in Europe. Should we just rattle through these fixtures? <laughs> yeah. One last thing. Um, I just like to say hello to our listener in Japan. Um, I'll read the email in full. But we've got an email from Japan. Um, Lovely. And our listener said uh, we got him back into rugby following the World Cup. 
So, Amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. And, um, and off the Strong Zero, presumably. Cleaned up his life. I hope he's on the Strong Zero. <laughs> in fact, I wonder if he can send us some Strong Zero. Ooh, now um, you're talking. Contact yeah. eggchasers at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us on email. We'll have, Sa- to, do, we'll have to do another Satora? Event. Um Actually, I, why don't I give it to someone who can read? Here you are. <laughs> oh, you, want, you want me to read one now? No, no, no. no don't read the email. Uh, just a name. Satoru Nakanishi. There you go. Thank you for your email. And send oh, us some that strong. is a lovely message. And send, send us some strong zero. Yes, please. More importantly. <laughs> lovely. Yeah, we, we will deal with your thought and your point and your question on a Q&A podcast, which we'll have to do soon. Next week, isn't it? First, I reckon uh, so. Well, because we've got European rugby this weekend. Let's rattle through some of these then, because we, we must be getting on for a bloody marathon pod. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have... So I'm not going to do the Challenge Cup. Yeah, just be better. Champion, yeah, Champions Cup. So Friday... Uh, oh, it's Good Friday, so it's a Friday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Uh, well, um, five thirty at, at the RDS. I'll be at the RDS. Nice. You love the RDS as well. I love it. Yeah. Show jumping ground. Yeah. And this is this is a good game to go to. Well, I've got to do my. That reminds me actually. I need. Sorry. I need, I've got to do my. I've got to do one of those COVID swab things. Have you done one? Uh, I've had, had yeah. a couple for. I've got to do one tomorrow morning because the courier is picking it up at ten. Anyway. Sorry, that's again. Enjoy, yeah, enjoy that, Tim. Um, yeah. Leinster hosting Toulon, so two powerhouses of oh. the last ten years of European rugby. Leinster are going to put them to the sword comfortably. Leinster, who rested all of their players. Yeah. Um, By the well, way, no, I say all of their players. They did not rest all of their uh, players. Devon broke the record number of appearances for Leinster, I believe, mm. and um, uh, Conan and Ruddock were so good and so was Henshaw again he's having a bit of a renaissance yeah so Henshaw and they're going to pump him Henshaw making a strong play for the Lions 12 jersey um, albeit I think he probably had his best game yeah. wearing the 13 jersey the, against England there's a there was a bookies uh, the, the bookmakers have given their odds for who they expect to be in each Lions jersey and Farrell is the Clear favourite for the ten jersey, well, and Henshaw the clear favourite for the twelve jersey. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. They're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> um, so Leinster Toulon, who's going to win that? Oh, clearly Leinster, comfortably, and then that'll set up a win against Ex- uh, a game against Exeter. Yeah, and just looking where Toulon are, so they're kind of mid-table, yeah. one eleven out of twenty games. They're going down. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, next game, eight o'clock. Friday night, Gloucester hosts La Rochelle. Less important fixture. No, it's a vitally important fixture. Uh, because this will be who Sale would play if they get through. Yeah, because if COVID restrictions lift, which of course they won't, but in my imaginary world, when we get some <laughs> of our freedoms back, I could go to, to La Rochelle and maybe even visit the U-boat pens if they're still there. Are they Ooh. still there? I think they're still there. It's <laughs> like, like a museum. Maybe I've made that up. Visit the uh, Cognac region. Yeah, let's uh, let's not talk about it. You know, no, we're not allowed to go, are we? So yeah, that is that is a very important, maybe one of the more second most important game of of the weekend. It's where Ulster should have been, mm. but um, we lost to Gloucester, so only ourselves to blame. Uh, La Rochelle to win that. Yeah, yeah. La Rochelle, who are currently second in the top fourteen. Lol. <laughs> um, good luck, Gloucester. Uh, right, twelve thirty on Saturday. Wasps host. Claremont lol uh, yeah. Claremont who are third in the top 14 good luck with that boys um, yeah. that is going to be an away win Yeah. so we're already predicting of two France beat, away wins beat down proportions could 
potentially be. Mm. Yeah. Um, Claremont are a very, very good team. <laughs> very, very, very good. Um, next game, 3 o'clock Saturday, Munster host Toulouse. I'm at that one as well. Ooh, nice. That is this probably is... tie of the round, isn't it? How yeah. This is tie of the round. This is um, a classic early 2000s European yeah. matchup. This. Yeah. Potentially, if they lose CJ Stander's last European game as well, which will ah interesting. Yeah, yeah. if they lose, yeah, or until he signs for the Bulls and the Bulls play in Europe. No, he's definitely retired from rugby. That's what mm. he said. Mm. Definitely not signing. Definitely not signing for the Bulls. Mm. We'll see. Um, predictions then to lose. Who are top of the top fourteen? To yeah. lose, I can't see past to lose. Even though I've not seen a single minute of any of their rugby this year. Just all you need to know is Kano, Untermac, Cheslin Colby, Antoine Dupont, Ramos. Kano is 37 years old. If, if he's it, still playing incredibly. Um, Nonu's 38, is he? That wow. fills my heart with joy. I've still got a few more years left at Tokyo. <laughs> if, if there was a crowd there, because I was there a couple of seasons ago when they played Racing, who were flying high at the time, and they got a draw in the in the pool. Uh, they drew and probably should have won. And the, just you, you cannot, you cannot underest, overestimate. Sorry, what's the word? Under you cannot, yeah, you cannot overestimate how how influential that crowd is at Tobin. And uh, but without it, I think to lose. I think if if it'd been a ho- proper home game, I would say Munster would edge it. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to pick a third French away win, mm. and partly part of that is the matchups, but also you can I, put some money on that. I, I probably would. I'm, I'd How is pr- your money situation, Phil? Are you feeling a bit flush at the moment? Uh, I'm feeling um, reasonably happy this weekend. No, for, no. Should, for... Just to just to be clear, should we just say the the, the wins you went for in an accumulator? Because it's pretty impressive. Phil. All of them. Uh, I did put on a, a seven way accumulator this week, and I don't even know how to do an accumulator. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm sure not, either. I'm not allowed to. Uh, anyway, but I now have seven hundred and fourteen pounds in my <laughs> account on, on for a five pound a, bet. A five, five pound bet. But I, so the the teams I went for. Let me just get it up. I went for uh, Gloucester against Exeter, who won Scotland away oh, in France. God, uh, fair play. Bristol at home to Quinns. London Irish against Bath. Northampton against Worcester. Sale against Wasps. Who thanks to the last minute. I mean, there was like three or four last what minute tries. Had. And so then, really, really, it's that France Scotland one. I th- you must that be was looking at big, thinking that's the one that's gonna. That's the well. I actually did put the bet on twice with that result in both directions. So I put a ten ten pounds on, as in I put two bets on, and that was the result I changed. Well, that that was in, with Scotland winning that. It was a big multiplier <laughs> compared to France winning that. Would have only won about like a hundred quid in the other way around. Wow! Um, totally, totally fluked it with all that, and also bottled it because uh, I laid the Leicester Newcastle game. Laid Leicester. I had Leicester to win. Laid it for one hundred seventy-five quid to guarantee <laughs> to guarantee a five hundred and fifty pound profit. So, so I did one thousand one hundred percent profit. No, it's a five hundred fifty pound profit. Uh, yeah, but but on, on what's that as a percentage? Is it uh, is it ten thousand percent profit? Uh, so a hundred percent profit would be fifty th- quid. Would be no, a hundred percent profit would be five pound profit. Oh, yeah. That's so. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent would be fifty quid, 
and a 10,000 10, would be 500 yeah so 10,000% profit you know the next Neil Woodford <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a total like I rarely do these bets I just fancied a few of the I fancied Irish to beat Bath I fancied Sale to win away uh, I fancied Gloucester to beat Exeter um, so I thought oh, I'll probably get reasonable odds on that um, I thought Scotland could do it as well but yeah I bottled it so I because di- I didn't want the stress for the, to reduce my potential winnings from seven hundred. Well, if I hadn't have laid uh, the Leicester game, I would have been either zero or seven hundred and fourteen pounds. That's it's basically like deal or no deal. Call yeah. the banker, and yeah, that's a fair amount to, so, to say deal. Given how strongly favourites Leicester were to lay it and guarantee, no matter what that result, I was getting taking home uh, five hundred. 50 quids worth of profit, I was like, there's no way, there's absolutely no way I can gamble that. I, I think uh, if it had been, if I'd have had to spend 300, so I would have reduced my winnings to say 400, or maybe even a bit more, I would have let it ride. Because I was still, I was confident Leicester were going to win, but that level of gamble was too much. You didn't even bring any Negronis around for us, thanks. Not, not today. Maybe I'll treat you to, to a Negroni Ooh, next time yes, I, I can physically buy you a Negroni. Well, you could physically buy us one. I don't see why you couldn't. <laughs> anyway. A Negroni altitude, that's what we'll save it for that. Yes. Uh, next game. Next game is... So, I'm saying Toulouse as well in that. I think we all are. Next game is going to be a France away loss because the Exeter Chiefs host Lyon. Yeah. Ooh. Now, Lyon are a good team. They are in they, sixth they, they, they like moment. Ball. I think that they like ball carrying it and then break now. I think that's their biggest mm. um, downfall by a long way. Comfortably. Comfortably. Um, so, Chiefs to win? Chiefs to win. Chiefs to win. Yes. Uh, then we have Racing 92 hosting Edinburgh. Oh, isn't that close? Can you see a Scottish team replicating the heroics in Paris? Uh, no. No, no neither can I. Not Rass- when they've got Scotland's best player. <laughs> Uh, Racing to win that. Then Bordeaux hosts uh, Bristol. Uh, well, we've seen Bristol batter Bordeaux before, yeah. so I don't think they're that bothered by them. Give yeah. me Bristol. Give me Bristol. The uh, Randrondra ball. Mm. Yep. And then JB, the one you're really interested in. I, I, I will say that that will be a very, very tough game, that, uh, for Bristol. <coughs> Bristol, yeah. They played in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup last, last year, year yeah. at, at Ashton Gate, and it went to extra time. I thought they smashed them. No, Max Malins. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Is it the Dragons that they smashed? Who did they beat? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they did. They, they absolutely did, yeah. annihilated the Dragons. Yeah. The, the, and the Dragons came out with a, bun- a bunch in, of quote-unquote stars. In the quarterfinals. And then in the semi-final at Ashton Gate the following week, they... Um, Who did they have they, in the final then? They had Toulon. Toulon. Yeah, that's right. But but they, it went to extra time. Yes, you're right. We watched that in Bath, And Bordeaux we? haven't we really changed their team. So at home... Um, that's one ground I'd we want to go to when they're crowds again. Um, in, in, in Bath. So we were having some... God, I hate I, I hate our world. Um, we were ha- having beers in Bath, and there was a couple on the other table who were into rugby, started talking, and some bloody waiter started uh, telling us, we can't talk, talk to the tables next to us. I've never been so what? outraged. COVID, mate. This, oh this was back in God. September. September. Oh, my God. And everything's stressed at 10 o'clock. So it's like the Wild West in Bath. Yeah, and 10, ten it, o'clock, that, that, the curfew is the worst idea. You it, cannot talk to someone. <laughs> Stop talking to them! Stop so, talking to them! Like, so were you still sat on your table and they were sat yeah, on their yeah. table? 
That is. Yeah. There was there was there was no one else in this. Oh my in this god! Pub. Was, oh what, my what, god! Watching this game, there's no one about. <laughs> We're just having a chat to someone. Uh, <laughs> another one, right? Uh, one of our friends tried to go into the KFC. Uh, you can't come into KFC. Well, why not? COVID. All right. So he whips out his app and orders a. <laughs> he orders either a Just Eat or an Uber Eats. Literally, so he had to get a third person to reach through the door to pass him his food <laughs> on Uberts. All right, two pounds. What? <laughs> and people, uh, let's, let's not get yeah, into this. Let's not get people, into this. There's, there's so many people that want this and they want more. Yeah, they want more. Well, uh, tell it, me what I can and can't do when I can and can't do it. Well, please. And undoubtedly, if you're going to lock down for the amount of deaths that we've had so far, as tragic as they all are, um, no doubt we'll be locking down for. Um, global warming if you really do believe that we're going to have a fiery death in 12 years time but frankly gone, having gone through this I think I would choose the fiery death in 12 years time a slow fiery death over 12, 12 years I think we're due a meteor or two yeah please meteor hurry up and hit us because this is not worth it it's not worth it we're existing we're not living yeah exactly the final game of the weekend uh, sale they are away at Scarlet not even close we even this is this uh, this game, the Bristol Bordeaux game, and the Munster Toulouse game are the hardest to pick. No, it's not pretty hard, mate. I I think Sale will win this. I, I, Scott Scott's finished third in Conference B in uh, Pro Fourteen, but I I Don't think they... so. There's quite a lot of away wins we've gone for. That is that five out of eight or six out of eight away wins. Uh, yes, yeah. I've certainly La Rochelle, Clermont, Toulouse. Bristol's a question. That's going to be a tough game for Bristol and Sale. So five out of eight, and that's seven hundred quid guaranteed. Do you reckon? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I don't think I'm going to be putting on an accumulator for some time. My luck has run out. Excellent. Just totally fluke that. Right. What? Wrap this up. We'll we'll be back to talk uh, talk it all through, and uh, we'll we'll come back with a Q and A pod very soon. So please get your emails, thoughts, and starting points at uh, contactdavechasers at gmail dot com. We are on YouTube. Uh, we are on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. He's at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking and waiting to slide into your DMs. Oh, and I'm interviewing uh, Josh Bayless on the podcast this week. Fantastic. Oh, I'll, I'll, your crush. Yeah, the the great Josh Bayless. Devilishly handsome Josh Bayless. Mm. So let the boys play. Let the boys play. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 